Podcast Network. Alright. Uh, once again, reminder. This time for real. I'm gonna try and do this walkthrough and get it done. Ten-ish minutes? Ten to whatever it takes me. It's long. Ten yeah. to twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go we'll circle back and, and we can talk about whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have a bit? When the zombies arise in the dead of the night, that's a morte. <laughs> you want to try it again? Did it go? Was it bad? It was a little flat. I okay, then you do it. We'll just go up. When the zombies arise, like higher than that. Fine. When the zombies arise in the dark of the night, that's a morte. That was better. Yes. Okay. That's very good. Yeah. That was good though. Okay. Does that be, you just had the one? I literally just came up with that. Oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah. That was even better then. I thought you had pre written this. No. question marks in them yeah well it's this, hard to tell what's happening sometimes yeah this is a this is a movie we talk about films on this podcast and this is one <laughs> uh-huh it sure is yeah do you have any experience with dylan dog resident comics expert hunter bush <laughs> um passing only okay he's somewhere between hellboy and constantine sure been around since roughly the around i think around the same time that this was done in the like I think it was like 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s was this, and then it was adapted. Yeah. Um, this was, I believe, one thing. One and yeah. done graphic novel, like... Yeah, yeah well, I thought and, it was part of the Dylan Dog series, or maybe sure. like a spinoff or something. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if it was if it's that, or if it's like a proto-Dylan Dog. Yeah, because like, doesn't Hellboy have like a like BPRD extended stories kind of thing? Yeah, and a bunch of the characters yeah. have spinoffs and things. Sure. But yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know if this guy... See, I don't think this guy, uh, De La Morte, De La, they're, they're Francisco De La Morte, right? Yes. He's, he's De La Morte. Yes. Right, okay. So His uh, mother doesn't was... Doesn't matter. Okay. Irrelevant. This, right. is the thing right. that's ha- this is the thing yes. that happens every time and we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Okay. No sidetracks. On the path, stay on the path. Everybody on the path, keep walking. If you go off the path, you get eaten. That's what happens. <laughs> De La Morte. De La Morte. So, yeah, Francesco... I don't think he exists in Dylan Dog, but I think that this, like, tone and shit is very Dylan Dog. Like, it's similar, I guess, concerns. The the author, the creator. Okay. It's similar in tone and concerns, but this is, like, a one-and-done buttoned all up. Sure. That's mm-hmm. my understanding. Okay, because when I was trying, I, I didn't do, like, big research, but, like, yeah. you know, saw that this was based off of a graphic novel. Oh, you're not no- in the pocket of big research. Saw <laughs> <laughs> so this was based off of the graphic novel Della Morte, Della More. And looked that yeah. up, and then it was showing me all this Dylan Dog stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It's from the it's from the same creator, okay. so I think it's just hard to search for because it's like more maybe obscure. Out of print. Yeah. Yeah. Or it might have s- only been in Italian, whereas I think yes. Dylan Dog does have international crossover. Yeah, Dylan Dog became. Uh, so my understanding of Dylan Dog is it's kind of not in tone, but in like publication, it's kind of like uh, Judge Dredd, where a couple of pages would run in a monthly release. Oh, okay. 
And then I think like it all also... the um, uh, manga that got its start in Shonen Jump. Yeah, kind of. Okay. And I think it then got its own comic. I think it's kind of or heavy metal actually for the American audience. Sure. Well, it heavy metal is of... also British. It's called oh. Metal Hurlant. There. Are you fucking oh. with me? No. Okay. I had... Google it. <laughs> no, I. Had... Well, Google cause... some shit, wanker. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I've only... northern boys here. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, it's so... only if you called somebody a toilet wanker. <laughs> <laughs> toilet wanker is such a good insult jesus christ sure is stay on the path okay yeah on the path so, i need to create a character called wc wanker wc wanker that's good that is good. That's, that should be the fucking thing you write that, that should be that guy's name no that should be your fucking oh, erotica okay. pen name. okay oh, oh boy <laughs> you know i'm right yeah uh the one that i was using was ac lester not as good yeah wc wanker yeah, WC Wanker is great. Sure. You okay. tour with Chuck Tingle. Different than Chuck E.T. We don't know that, but I can't. I gotta stay on the page. <laughs> okay. So, it was a periodic thing that was, yeah, like, a few pages a month. And then, I think over time, here and there, it's gotten its own limited series running, you know, long running. I don't know. I don't know the whole publication history. But Dylan Dog's whole deal is he's like a supernatural kind of investigator, private eye, whatever. He's basically who you're going to call. It's, yeah. Like I said, mm. he's somewhere between Hellboy, maybe a little hornier version of Hellboy. Mm. Hornboy. I'm yeah. so sorry. I and she can't stop. stop. She cannot stop. And she's like, she's like, oh, but come off the path. Look, there's berries. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make sure that they're not poisonous. And I can only tell that if you try if them I eat first. all of them. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and or, or like I said, Constantine, who is the yeah, same sort of deal. Sure. Yeah. But Man. I think the tone is a little, like, more, I don't know what the word is. Like, it's a little more cheeky, I guess, is really what it is. Like, it's a little, mm-hmm. it's a little like, maybe punnier, I think, you know. I, okay. I, from what I remember, because they tried to do a Dylan Dog movie in the early 2000s with Brandon Routh, I think. Hmm. And it ate shit because there's no Dylan Dog like fan base in the U.S. and that was who they were primarily marketing it to. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's not going to go over. Nobody knew who it was. You know, it just didn't do anything. It just looked like kind of maybe a little fun, spooky thing, and it just didn't catch. Right? Uh-huh. That's fine. But my understanding is that he's got a like an undead like right hand man kind of assistant guy. But I think in the comics he's like a nude ghost, and that like <laughs> there's a lot of jokes about like his ghost dick. I don't know if any of this is true. This is like, wow. I didn't look this up. This is like what's in the back of my head from 20 years ago when they tried to make right. this movie happen. And I was like trying to find out what Dylan Dog was. Sure. But the Hellboy crossover, when they tried to make Dylan Dog more of a thing here and have more cultural cachet, they did like a reprint of like a run of his stories uh, in a graphic novel. And Mike Mignola did the cover for it. Oh, Okay. Of, That's fun. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I always wanted to pick it up because it seemed like it might be the kind of thing I like. Like, it's... Yeah. It's a Hellboy, but he's, he's a guy, not a devil, and there might be some boobs, and it might be, like, kind of, like, cheesy, raunchy, sleazy 80s vibe. Like, yeah. Like, right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. But I just never got around to it. Hell yeah. All right. Let's if this is your first time listening to Hate Watch, Great Watch, welcome. Hi. Hello, excellent human. I'm your host, Hunter Bush, with me as always. Your other host, Allison Nikoulis. And joining us for, if I'm not mistaken, 10th time. I, I think that is correct. Yeah, I think this I is think, the 10th time. I think time. this is number 10. Um, but also, it's your birthday today, wink, wink, wink. It we, is my birthday. We recorded Thank it live. You. Yeah, definitely. We recorded it live at 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's 7 in the morning. So, are... so, I just got up. We just did yoga. We it's... just, yeah, we got up, we did sun salutations. I showed my 
taint to the world. <laughs> yep, we're I'm feeling ready energized and cancer free. That's what they. You heard that right? Wow. They yeah. said that, that doing the spread eagle airing your taint out to the world is supposed to like help cure cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah right. What were they calling that? I don't remember. Okay. It did have a name that like yeah. they tried but, like the the yoga blogs. Yeah. The white people ass yoga blogs were like, oh, this is what it's called. It's called. I the... also I feel like this was pre-pandemic when that was. No, I think it was maybe it was pre, but I remember reading about it like early on. Okay, yeah. like I thought it was pre-pandemic, so this would have been maybe like four or five years ago that people were sunning their taints. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when's when's a bad time to sun your taint? <sighs> I mean, bar mitzvah <laughs> for your health and well-being. Right. Yeah. Sunshine's good for you. I don't know. I don't necessarily know that your taint is where it needs to be, but you know what? Historically, that is where the sun doesn't shine. Yeah. 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 Maybe they're trying to just solve that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the person who started this was tired of being told they were going to have stuff shoved where the sun don't shine. They were like, that's going to be nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the middle of July. It's the yeah. middle of July. It's I was going to say, probably this, quite hot. Like, this taint prob- what we're talking about today, though. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, this is uh, Crystal's birthday episode. We decided to have her back on because this episode drops right on her birthday. So Thank we're like, you let's, so much. Yeah, let's do it. And um, I told you to pick a movie and you picked a favorite of yours, yes? Uh, Yeah, so I picked, can I say what I picked? No, go yeah. for it. Yeah. I picked Cemetery Man, which uh, is a movie I've, realized over the years not a lot of people are familiar with no yeah. it's something um, i know i'd heard of a lot but it yeah. was it's it's kind of really hard to find yeah um i saw it as a kid probably way too young as i think i've said on almost every <laughs> episode I've ever sure um i've seen this movie way too young or i've thought that about most of the movies where i'm just like yeah i saw this early um but I remember very vividly remembering like one of the scenes, which we'll get to, and it kind of stuck with me. So I what, was what like, scene was it? Uh, "The bus accident." Oh yes, oh, okay. Wow, yeah, that's yeah a thing that I, one is. I very much remembered, uh, and I was just like, "Oh boy!" And it kind of stuck with me. So sure, yeah. This this is a weird movie. Yes. So 1994. Yes. Directed by uh... Michele Suave. Which, if Thank I was you. ever gonna do like a Carlos Danger, like. Yeah. Uh, alias, where I'm fucking sexting people or whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be Michele Suave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, anglicized as Michael Suave. Sure. Yeah. And Suave. he's predominantly like an ADA and like other parts, but he has done some directing, including Stage things. Fright. Yeah. Uh, stage oh. Fright or sometimes called Stage Fright Aquarius. Yeah. It's a decent little, um, everybody's locked in a theater. I think they're like, whatever the theater version of cramming for like the test is, because they have like a, uh, their premiere day or whatever. So they're like getting all their cues down and practicing, I think is the, the deal. And so they agree to all be locked in, I think for the weekend. And one of the characters in this play has like a big owl head. So there's this big owl headdress mask. Hmm. So one of the big images is like that the killer is running around with this big owl headdress mask on. It's pretty cool. That sounds awesome. And the movie's pretty <laughs> yep. good. It's yeah. just like a fun little, it's a Jallo-esque thing. Um, okay, yeah. cool. That sounds great. I would love to see it. Yeah, <laughs> it was on It was on Shudder. It comes and goes from Shudder pretty regularly. But uh, yeah, Suave was a uh, protege of um, Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and he's, I think, in Demoni. Oh. I think he has, like, a speaking, or maybe not speaking role, but he has, like, an on-screen role in, yeah. in Demons. Demoni. Yeah. Demoni. As Joe Bob would say. Yeah. Demoni. 
we're all doing the hand gesture yeah, yeah. right now. Sure. It's very yeah. Italian in here. It's Somebody very... over the window, let some of this marinara out. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're in South Philly. It's very Italian. It's very Italian. 1994, you said rated R. You said it has a runtime of I didn't an hour... say, but yes. Oh. <laughs> has a runtime of an hour and 45 minutes. Right. Um, which is nice. It's right in the sweet mm-hmm. spot. We always yeah. talk about this. Like Get in, get out, get on with it. Right. Dude, <laughs> honestly, this could be longer. I probably wouldn't be mad. Yeah. Well, also, like, there's it's a lot so going on that could have used weird. five more minutes of you telling me what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, if this is your first time listening, uh, welcome. We talk about movies in a reasonably relaxed, loose fit jeans way. Usually, it's way looser. I've, I, you know, my ideal situation is we talk about exactly what happens in the movie, and I go through it so that everybody listening knows all the things we're going to talk about, and I basically tell you the whole movie, spoil the movie for you. Mm-hmm. So again. If it's a movie you want to see, go track yeah. it down and then come back and listen to this. But don't get mad. We do usually let you know if it's something that we're going to encourage you not to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We usually front load if it's like, don't listen to this. If you haven't seen it, go see it immediately. Like, this is yeah, a, that you know. good. And this is, yeah. But most movies can't it, really be spoiled. Like yeah. the, the experience yeah. of watching a thing for the first time is a unique experience. And if you do know stuff is coming, it can, you know, change your your view and where your head is at in certain instances and stuff. So, you know. I always recommend, go see the movie. But, at the same time, you don't have to see everything. There's a lot of movies. Not all of them are 100% worth watching. Um, and that's what kind of what the podcast is about. We will talk about it. If it sounds like something you'd like, cool. And at the end, we'll tell you what we think. If, it, if it's a hate watch, if it's a great watch, if anywhere on this scale that is very loosely defined and amorphous <laughs> by definition. <laughs> yeah, I really love that we had a two-point scale and we immediately started fudging with it. <laughs> I like... said from before day one, pre-day one, day zero, that the scale doesn't matter. It's yeah. fucking, whose line is it anyway? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all made up and the points that's don't matter. matter. Like, that's that's what it is. It's it's for uh, just for us to have a thing. It's a good name for a podcast. <laughs> it sure is. So, yeah, uh, it's loose. It's fun. We goof around. We make fun of stuff. Don't take it too seriously. Don't get mad. It's fine. Um, Generally, we love movies. Yeah. And yeah. it is also hard to make one. Yeah, yeah. Movies are really hard to make. So, I mean, like, the fact that it got made is a miracle, but also sometimes you're like, this? This is what you did? <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. what you do with your time and money and everybody's mm-hmm. time and money? Oh, my God. Nobody um, stopped you? Right. Yeah. No one? <laughs> nobody, nobody had any thoughts? <laughs> I'm not front-loading this because, like, oh, Cemetery Man is that kind of... This is not that. No. This is just not, a really fucking weird movie. Yeah. and yeah. It's not going to be for everybody, but it's definitely going to be very much for some people. Yeah. It, this is Including this is, Crystal. Yes. Yeah. This is a you. unique viewing experience. It's kind of... Like the Evil Dead films. Yeah. It's a horror comedy. It's also kind of existential. So it's an existential horror comedy, which I don't think I've ever seen another one of those. Really. There's also quite a lot of boobs. There's a lot yeah. of boobs, yeah. There's a fair amount of boobs. It's yeah. it's it's horny, but also pretty sexless for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's sensual in that Italian cinema kind of way. Well, well we can't turn it off. <laughs> so now, to try to stay true to what I... We've been doing this for like a hundred some odd episodes. And you'd think I would have nailed the format down. I have not. So now, I did this time, for the first time ever, 111 episodes in, I wrote down a summary of the film, which I will now read to you, the audience, and my friends in this room. And then after that, we would talk about the whole thing. We can go talk about whatever we want. Scenes, performances, moments, questions we have, whatever. But we'll all know everything. We don't have to worry about, like, oh, should I explain this? Should I reveal this thing here? Is it going to be confusing? Nope. It's all going to be on the table. Hopefully. That's my goal. 111 right. episodes. Let's go. Let's do this. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Cemetery Man in Italian, Della Morte, Della More. 1994, rated R, an hour, 45 minutes. 
It is a dreamlike and existential horror comedy from Dario Argento protege Michele Suavi. Francesco Della Morte, played by Rupert Everett, works in the Bufalora Cemetery in Bufalora, Italy. He is a caretaker and groundskeeper alongside Nagi, played by Francois Haji Lazaro, who unfortunately passed away February 25th of this year. Oh. Rest in peace. Oh, rest in peace. He was also a musician. Nagi is his large, bald, monosyllabic uh, fellow caretaker with potentially the mind of a child. It's unclear. He, uh, When I say monosyllabic, he doesn't just go sure or yep. He only makes one noise and it's meh, kind of. <laughs> Which I'm guessing is where Nagi comes from. Mm. Meh. Mm. Yeah. Yes. It's stylized as G-N-A, and that's how his name is spelled, is G-N-A-G-H-I. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he just kind of like chirps or barks or whatever you would call that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you it's know, a real Hodor situation. Or Groot. Yeah. Or Groot. Yes. Yeah. Much like uh, either of those characters, the intonation and inflection uh, allows you to imply a lot of what his meaning is. So within the Bufalora Cemetery, and Della Morte speculates potentially elsewhere, anyone buried will rise again on the seventh night after their burial, although that also just stops being true halfway through the movie, doesn't matter. Part of his job is to shoot them in the brain and then reinter them. Uh, Nagi helps. Delamorte barely interacts with anyone outside of the cemetery. He takes occasional phone calls from Franco, played by Anton Alexander, who works as a clerk of some kind in town and uh, from whom Delamorte picks up his paychecks. There's also the mayor named Scannerati, played by Stefano Masciarelli, who is up for re-election, uh, and the local marshal, Straniero, I believe, played by Mickey Knox. The film has this, as I mentioned, dreamlike, intertwined vignette narrative structure, which is going to be interesting to discuss, and I think that might possibly be due to its origins as an adaptation of a graphic novel. The graphic novel might be like Hellboy, little short stories that are largely unconnected, but they, in this, they might have tried to make them all tie together. And I'm going to attempt to lay things out as clearly and cleanly as I can. One day, a beautiful young woman, referred to in the credits as she, played by Anna Fauci, arrives for the funeral of her much older and now quite dead husband. Della Morte falls immediately in love with her, and after giving her a tour of the ossuary, which, if you're not familiar with that word, is a bone storage room, shortly thereafter she reciprocates his feelings. They sleep together on her husband's grave, kinky, which angers the husband, causing him to revive earlier than his seven days, I think. Because she does leave and then come back, but I think it's supposed to still be earlier than seven days. And then the husband bites she, and she, quote-unquote, dies. We'll get to all of this. Della Morte takes responsibility for her corpse, lays her under a shroud in the ossuary, waiting for her to come back as a zombie, or as he refers to them, returners. So I'm going to endeavor not to use the word return in its normal fashion, even though a lot of people do go away and then come back. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try and not say return because that'll be confusing. Yes. Uh, but when she does rise, he shoots her. It's very sad. He's very sad. Around this time, Della Morte and Nagi head into town so Della Morte can beg the mayor to investigate what causes the returners so that potentially they could find a solution to it and then he wouldn't have to stay there and guard the cemetery all the time and he could either leave the cemetery or leave the town and live potentially normal lives. The mayor is too preoccupied with re-election plans to pay any attention to them and meanwhile Nagi becomes infatuated with the mayor's teenage daughter Valentina, played by Fabiana Formica, who is sitting across from him at this town square luncheon. Nagi vomits on her. And she is then, quote-unquote, rescued by Claudio, played by Alessandro Zamatio, a local handsome bad boy on a motorbike. She hops on the back of his... Okay, so it's not a hog, because it's, it's a little <laughs> Italian motorbike, so you can't call it a hog. It's not right. a Harley Davidson, it's not a big old hog. Uh, so is it a piglet? Is it no, a ham hock? No, I think, um... 
Is it a Parma? Is it a pork chop? Mm-hmm. Is it a Parma? Is it a Parma because uh-huh. it's uh, because it's Italian? Italian mm-hmm. Parma. We'll call yeah. it a Parma, sure. Yeah. So he uh, takes her off on the back of his Parma. They ride off. They are later involved in, as Crystal mentioned, a vehicular accident with a busload of Boy Scouts, and they're all killed. Valentina is decapitated. This is important later. So Claudio, Valentina, the Scouts, and their nun Scout leader, I think, yeah, are all buried in the cemetery. So you know that's gonna. That's going to be a thing. Um, it's probably going to be fine. Nagi digs up Valentina's head when she becomes a returner and places it in his broken TV, which was shot on accident by Della Morte earlier. And they kind of live a nice little platonic life, like playing house. The mayor then comes looking to do a photo shoot with the now week-old corpse of his daughter to garner sympathy for his campaign numbers. And he discovers that not all of her body is in her coffin. Um, so he does find her head in Nagi's apartment in the TV, and she asks if she can marry Nagi. The mayor refuses. She flies out of the TV and bites his neck, and then Della Morte has to kill her. And then later, he, does he kill the mayor? Or does the mayor just get away? Because isn't the mayor the guy where the gun drifts to the left because it's cold? Hmm. And then I don't ever remember them resolving whether the, he shoots the mayor or not later. Because the mayor's, like, climbing a ladder or whatever. So does yeah. the mayor just, like, escape the town and run run fucking wild like Hulkamania? He's, <laughs> yes, he's now just the mayor again. Yeah. I don't actually have any notes about that. Yeah, I don't think they were... I was thinking about it, and I can't remember. All right. So during the funeral, a young woman, played by Katya Anton, arrives, uh, and she... Well, she arrived. It was past tense. She threw herself on Claudio's casket, claiming to be his girlfriend. Um, the casket... Like, his whole burial ensemble setup also included uh, the, uh, what, are we, what are we calling it? Parma. Parma. The Parma. Also included his Parma, which is also going to be important later. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he was buried with it. Yeah, she claims to be his girlfriend. His <laughs> mother, played by Patrizia Punzo, said that, no, 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 Claudio was promised to Valentina, again, the mayor's daughter. So, concurrent to all the business with Valentina's head and Nagi and the mayor, his girlfriend shows up. And she wants to see Claudio when he becomes a returner and ask him if he loved her or Valentina more. And so, yeah, that happens. Claudio rides his motorbike up out of the, the grave, which is awesome. Yeah. And then they ride off. Della Morte gives chase and finds returner to Claudio gnawing on her left arm. Um, she's cool with it, but Della Morte still shoots them both. Now, for what it's worth, the scouts and their nun scout leader also come back, and they were also dispatched by Della Morte. So then, she comes back as a returner, kind of again, which is confusing. Causes Della Morte to question whether she was actually dead in the first place, despite the fact that the town doctor uh, named Vercizzi, played by Clive Reich, declaring she had died of a heart attack. So, who knows, but either way, she attacks Della Morte, who is too in love with her to fight back, and she bites him. Nagi kills her with a shovel. Della Morte starts to maybe lose his grip on reality now. I mean, the movie's already playing fast and loose with reality, as we'll get to, but he is maybe hallucinating a huge specter of the Grim Reaper who tells him to stop killing the dead and suggests he start killing the living. Uh, then we meet the new mayor, Savardi, played by Pietro Genuardi, who uh, he arrives with his assistant who looks exactly like she. Della Morte falls instantly in love with her now, and the next day, the, the assistant returns... No, sorry. The, the assistant comes back and knocks on his door and tells him that she feels like she's known him forever and that she's in love with him. But the thing is, she's terrified of either penises or specifically sexual penetration. So Della Morte heads into town to get his member chopped off by the doctor. 
As one would. Right? Perfectly normal. We've all been Been there. there. Um, so instead, the doctor gives him te- a temporary injection that he hopes will, like, uh, you know, it, it's a, I think he says monthly. Like, if you get this once a month, you'll be impotent. It'll be great. A few days later, the assistant, the assistant version of she drops by again, explains to Delamorte that her boss, the new mayor, raped her, but that now, not only does she totally cool with penises, great, but she's in love with the, the new mayor. So they can't be together, but it's cool, they can still be friends. It's it's a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's a real fucking... I was like, oh, shit. We, we watched this about three years ago uh, in, like, quarantine, lockdown and stuff. And um, I forgot all about that. And when that happened again on this rewatch for the podcast, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, right. Fuck. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's heavy subject matter that's just tossed in there. It's not, like, dealt with or it's just, like, flavor. And it's like, no, that's a bit too spicy. Yeah, well, they used to do that more. Yes. So Del Morte now is really losing it. He heads into town, murders this group of, you know, what passes for biker toughs in Bufalora. They also all have Parmas. Um, they've been kind of making fun of him throughout the movie, but, like, not in a real, like, important way where you thought there was going to be, like, a thing. But he does drive up in his little yellow, uh, you know, Volkswagen bug and shoots them all dead. Uh, then he also, he meets two college girls who need a ride. Of course, one of them looks again like she. He just keeps seeing her everywhere. He gives them a ride. They invite him in. The one who looks like she tells him she's already in love with him and they sleep together in spite of his impotence injection. He's like, yeah, this might not work because I've been taking medication. And then it smash cuts to them like sweaty and in bed. And she's like, I don't think your medication works. (laughs) Pretty good. Then he finds out, of course, that they are prostitutes. uh, And then he sets the house on fire and leaves, as one does. (laughs) The next day, the marshal comes to the cemetery, tells Delamorte that Franco, his friend, the, the clerk from town, has claimed responsibility for all those murders, as well as the murders of uh, his wife and daughter, Franco's wife and daughter, and that Franco is now in a coma in the hospital. Delamorte visits him, casually killing anybody that walks in the room, like a nurse and a nun and a doctor, just like, boom. Only for Franco to briefly regain consciousness and tell Delamorte that he doesn't know who he is. Doesn't know who Delamorte is. Doesn't recognize him. And then, in what I refer to as a real arrested development, I don't know why, but that's it moment, Delamorte and Nagi pack and drive off, attempting to leave Bufalora forever. They drive in his little bug down winding highway. It's very scenic, all these vistas, and through this red-lit tunnel. And when they exit, they have a brake-squealing stop at the edge of apparently all of existence. Delamorte echoes something he had discussed with Franco earlier about not believing there might even be a wider world outside of Bufalora. And then Nagi stumbles over. Um, he had gashed his head in the sudden stop, and he seemingly dies. And then it begins snowing. Delamorte loads two bullets into his gun and sits there either waiting for Nagi to become a returner or just trying to work up the courage to shoot his best friend and then himself. Uh, it does not come to that. Nagi rises and speaks for the first time in the film in perfectly clear language. Uh, he asks to be taken home. Delamorte responds with a nah grunt. And the camera pulls back, revealing both characters inside of the snow globe tableau of the cliffside that they're on. The end. And yes, I'm serious. <laughs> so the snow globe's also in the beginning. It is in the beginning, yes. Yeah. But it's not anchored in anything. There's no, it's not no. a shot of a snow globe no. anywhere. It's just the movie starts, it pans through a skull. Yeah. Which is a thing that Delamorte has on his desk. And then it also has shots of the snow globe. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a weird one. And so when we watched it um a couple years ago, I didn't remember like any of it. And mm-hmm. honestly, on this rewatch, I kind of forgot the end of it too. And I was like, oh right, I forgot all of this like really crazy stuff <laughs> happens. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely remember my like parents renting this and like us watching it, which is again something I should not have seen as young as I was. It's fine. Um, but it's it's fine. Um, but man, what a what a movie. Yeah. Um, for a whole big chunk of it, first time you're watching it, you kind of keep thinking you're you get what the movie is, right? And then it really, like the first half is kind of a kind of its own movie and it kind of all works and there's elements from the second half that tie into that that you keep seeing the woman that looks like she right same same woman everywhere and he's you know wildly in love with her but narratively they don't really directly tie into one another it also it's very strange that the whole thing when death shows up and tells him like stop killing the dead he's like they're mine they belong to me he's like you should start shooting the living but that doesn't make because the whole thing is that if they die and are then buried in the cemetery they'll rise again right so if he kills them and then they're buried in the cemetery they'll still rise again and he'll have to kill them again i guess right Right? that's never dealt with i mean like he he refers to it as um i forget what word he uses but uh uh della morte he refers to it as like not a plague but something like that where he's like maybe it's a it's some kind of plague like happening around the world i don't know Right, because he's there's no way to know because no one's talking about it. Yeah, no one's talking about it. Seemingly, no one wants to listen to him because he's the weird guy from the cemetery. Yeah, and they're they're kind of it's implied that I think it's the marshal got him the job here mm-hmm. to I I think it's implied like to kill the dead you know people make sure they stay dead yeah kind of thing. Again, you meant you said there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, my, my notes are just full of question marks. So from that, that was my summary of the film. Uh, does that about cover it? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think honestly, for how weird and windy this movie can be, um, I think that was a pretty, like, succinct, uh, especially with one of the characters being named She. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not being able to use the word return. return. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Princess Which, Zombies Dog? I mean, her, her grave is has is just marked with uh is it lay or lay or whatever but that's italian for she yeah Yeah. and they also obscure her husband's name in a lot of shots but like the picture of him is great yes that's true but yeah they obscure like first name in some shots and the last name in some shots i'm like i mean if i cared i could piece this together right i don't i don't get it if there's like a joke there or a reference to something but it's like it seems intentionally obscured but then it doesn't come to anything and i don't yeah i don't know right it's weird a lot of this movie is very strange. So I also wasn't necessarily clocking like the end of the first vignette. It's kind of like, yeah, when he kills her and she comes back and bites him and stuff. But then also. Whoa, 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 that's... whoa, 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 In the ossuary? Y- yeah. Well, she doesn't bite him until later. That's what I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So what specifically happens with that is, yeah, they're sleeping together near her husband's grave and he returns like like is a zombie retur- becomes zombie a returner yeah. yeah and bites her and de la morte thinks she's dead and is told that she's dead and he puts her in the ossuary so that when she returns he can kill her but she kind of comes back to like he he shoots her 
but wasn't looking and didn't see that he ne- that he definitely got her and then she comes back again and so he and that's when um nagi kills her with the shovel right and so he's like oh she must not have been dead the first time so like right, but that's speculation on his part I... yeah maybe because like i don't know the, the but, doctor said she was dead yeah and he shoots her and it like grazes her head so i don't know i, I don't know I, I, I but yeah but yeah the the second time that she comes back she bites him yes and then after that is kind of where stuff gets like even weirder i guess <laughs> yeah yeah and that's it's after like, that's, he's bitten that he has the hallucination of death right and... that's definitely where he starts acting more erratically yes and starts trying to like ultimately leave yeah he does find to be impossible um like inner monologue stuff throughout the film where he's like you know uh, a running running phrase like almost as a gag is like when will i see her again which is like, well, I mean, you've already seen this dead woman like three times <laughs> or four, depending on how you're counting. So like, I don't know, I probably not to wait long. But every time he bumps into like a new version of her, he's like, when will I see her again? Yeah. And like, you just got to wait like four minutes, man. Yeah. That's the other thing is I have no idea what time is in this movie. Like, nah, time is. Yeah. Um, well, especially <laughs> when we start going like, okay, well, actually they're coming back faster than seven days. So then yeah. it's like, all right. So we have no metric now for time measurement. Right, and that's not like treated as any. It's I, and, and it's not just this movie. This this happens in a lot of movies where they're like every and they set like well, a rule and then immediately they're like they've broken the rule and I'm like okay, but I why think, even have the rule? I like, think he does acknowledge like oh they're coming back faster, but it's never explained how or why. Right, that's what I mean. Nothing's you know, done yeah. of it. It's it's arbitrary. Right. Yeah. So right. if he just said like, yeah, for some reason the dead that are buried in Buffalora just come back sometimes right away, sometimes after a while, and I gotta be here to kill them and rebury them. That would be fine. But it's even weirder to be like, yep, it's always seven days, except when it is not. It's <laughs> like, you know, there was a store in my mom's neighborhood called um, 99 cents less and more. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so your sign just says we sell things. Right. Yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a reincarnated situation thing that he keeps seeing everywhere. Or right. if it's that like brain the... trick that happens to you where like you lose somebody close to you and then you start like seeing them in crowds and stuff. I see her face. Yeah. Everywhere. Her face everywhere. Yeah. Uh, or so. if it's the bite is making him crazy. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was... So what I was thinking was that, like, maybe this is, like, this is what happens when you get bit, but he's, for some reason, like, lasting a lot longer than, like, all of the other, uh, like, people who have turned, who so, have returned. According to the director, the thing that's spurring on the returning is the roots in the cemetery of the okay. Mandragola, I guess. Okay. Which, I mean, like, you do see while they're having sex on top of the husband's grave, you yeah. see roots kind of growing into the coffin and going into his hand, and right, then he right, wakes right. up. I don't know what that, like, if it's, if it's, like, able to be passed on to anybody else through a bite or if it's just making them zombie like yeah so i i I remember that shot i just thought it was like a cute way to transition to like that's how he knows they're fucking or something (laughs) right but i also like so the fucking the roots grow into the casket within seven days right i think i think in general the plant thing's supposed to be supernatural you know sure yeah so like man no literally no track is paid to that in the film no except for that shot again that, you that one shot yes yeah, yeah. and Which i don't weird. i don't know if that has anything to do with the graphic novel because like i right. said couldn't really find much on that no or, no, I've, no i've never seen this anywhere yeah. like 
as a, as a comic. Like, I've never seen, yeah. like, to purchase. I've, I've barely seen the film anywhere. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, ooh. Also, well, uh, plant zombies aren't very common. You occasionally hmm. get, like, spores and shit, because, right. like, The Last of Us and Isn't the Girl with All the Gifts kind of botanical? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good pull. But so this is a little also, even for, like, zombie folklore, it's not as, you know, as as commonly tread it's off yeah. the path yes sure yes yeah to use Which you the were metaphor try- I yeah you were trying very hard to stay on the path but you no, picked no. a movie that is as off the path as possible right but motherfucker i stayed on the path i'm i got to the clearing yeah. at the end and now we can just fucking run around baby it doesn't matter Woo! we covered yeah. uh, everybody knows everything that happens in the movie and now we can just talk about it sure um which is what we're doing so this yeah. is going, it's going well you mentioned slightly slightly earlier um about how like it's hard to find this movie to buy. Yeah. Uh, the graphic novel is hard to f- come by. Yeah. I've never, like, I, I've never I didn't know it. it existed until, like, the other day when I was looking it up. But I have a Cemetery Man t-shirt yeah. that I'm pretty sure is very bootleg. Um, <laughs> because this guy at a Monster Mania convention was like, oh, yeah, I'll sell it to you for, like... I think I paid like twenty seven dollars for oh. a shirt or something. Yeah, and that was so, probably what like in like the nineties like, or no, the no, early two no. thousands. This was like yeah, like two thousand and nine. Okay, um, okay. I've been eyeing it for a couple of years. Yeah. though, at this point, like whenever we started doing conventions. All um, right. So I guess you didn't quite get fleeced, but that no, was but still you know, a lot of money yeah. for a t shirt. Yeah. By by that's at that time. Listen, yeah. And then I'm pretty I, sure they they still exist. I think he still has more, and he just told me it was the last one. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I was just like, damn, because I want that shirt. And convention was... convention seller tricks. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll pay it. I'm happy. I still have it. It's in my room somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, man, I paid. I once paid $40 for an Ozzy t-shirt at OzFest yeah. uh, that had... Um, it was like a parody of the Jaws uh, image, but it was Ozzy coming up, and it says saying Jaws said Ozzy, and I was like... I guess yeah. I kind of need that. You didn't. <laughs> also, don't you have a Martin shirt and you haven't even seen Martin? That was a gift. It was a gift. I'm not saying that you're a poser. <laughs> it was a gift that somebody sure. was like, oh, this seemed like something you would like. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. I've heard about it. I have heard about it, but I haven't seen it because that's another very obscure movie. Still to this day, I have not yeah. seen Martin now. thought you meant the TV show. <laughs> no, 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 no. And people always around me saying, yeah. damn, Gina, and I have no yeah. idea what they mean. Is that a, <laughs> is that a like, vampire-esque Yeah, Martin thing? Lawrence plays a no, vampire. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Wouldn't that yeah. be fun? Um, Martin, uh, the, one of the subtitles for Martin is Martin, the blood lover. Ooh. Oh, okay. Um, the whole thing with, because again, I haven't seen it, but my it's a... Sounds um, very horny for murder. Uh, I believe it's uh, George Romero. Uh, yep. And my understanding is you're not supposed to know whether or not Martin is a vampire or is a guy who thinks he's a vampire. And I also think it might be filmed or set on the West Coast. But I, okay. again, haven't seen it. But Second Sight, who's a UK distributor, just put out like a deluxe blu-ray of it that i really want to get mm. but it's a uk distributor so it's hard to get them to ship here i guess yeah. although i have seen like famouser people than me who are <laughs> definitely in the u.s and some of them are live in the same city i'm in have copies of it and i'm just like can i get one i have a region free player for exactly this occasion let me let me see that movie but yeah so second sight if you're listening to this or anybody that works at anywhere that wants to distribute me a copy of martin potentially the blood lover yeah uh you let me know because i want that i want to see that 
We will even say if we hate it or think it's great. Yeah, if we hate it or we grade it. Rupert Everett (laughs) is Uh in this movie. Yes. Which is wild to me, I think. It is a staple of Italian cinema to have a super international cast. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Yeah. It's not uncommon. I wouldn't say it's a staple, but it's not uncommon. Okay. But a lot of Italian movies that I have watched have had... These genres. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, because also we just did Girl Bombs. That also has, like, people from all over. They're genre films. It's, I know. It's yeah. to, okay. to yeah. market them internationally. It's to yeah. make more money. Yeah, it said yeah. that um, when I was reading, it was a, a international mix between France, Germany, and Italy yeah, to well, do this movie. Tracks. Uh, Anna Falci is uh, Finnish, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Even, even more uh, yeah. international. That's fun. No, I mean, like, I don't think they consider that unless she was a producer. Right. You know? These people might be more known in genre circles in their respective countries. Like right, they might have, sure. She might be a big name at that time in Wherever, Finland. Is yeah. that what you said? Finnish? She was Finnish? Yes. Yeah. Like, she might have been more of a, a known yeah. commodity there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Theoretically. That's usually what they do is they cast people that have like name or face like recognition value in certain markets because then they make it and then they're like, ah, the Americans will buy it because this guy's the lead and then the Italians will buy it because this guy made it and then the the French will buy it because this guy's in it or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah, it it makes sense, but it's just like, I don't know, I guess looking at other things like he's done, I'm just like, this is a weird one. It is because not that long after that, not long after this, he made, uh, is it Four Weddings and a Funeral, or is it My Best Friend's Wedding? Which one my is he in? My Best Oh. Oh. He's in one of them. Ooh, he sure is, and but I which don't one remember is which one it is. Flip <laughs> a coin. I don't either. I think, I think I've seen... say I think it's My Best Friend. Yeah, I, I think, think I've is... seen both of those, maybe. Well, also, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, they keep remaking, right? Do they? I thought. I thought there was, like, three different versions of it. Well, no, it's one for each funeral. No, oh, okay. it's Dermot Mulroney in oh. My Best Friend's Wedding. All right, oh, so okay. four weddings and a funeral. Boots on the ground research, guys. We're doing it right now. He's he's in My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, he oh. is, yeah. Yeah, he's not the lead. He, okay. Hugh Grant's oh, the lead. lead. Okay. He's, My bad. No, yeah, no, fine. he's um, Julia Roberts' like, co-worker or other friend or whatever. My second Best Friend's Wedding. Yeah, um, sure. So, but uh, interestingly, like, after he made that, that was a big hit. Yeah. And he had a lot of, like... Cachet. Pull, yeah. Yeah, so for sure. he apparently went to Michele Suave and was like, do you want to remake this? Like, we'll have more budget and we can make it, like, oh. for an American audience. And Michele Suave was like, no, I have already done it. <laughs> and just went on and did whatever the fuck. And you I was like... What? Good I, for him. I would have liked it if he had made it again. And, like, you know, yeah. it probably would have been more accessible. And I would have been able to see it, like, sooner in my life. Because literally I saw it two, three years ago right. for the first time. But I, I admire the, like, no. <laughs> I've already done it. Not going to happen, pal. Well, yeah. so... It's a me. I'm a Kevin Swabby. I, th- I can I th- say that. I'm a <laughs> I think we watched, like, the, the featurette, like, interviews and stuff sure. when yeah. we first saw this. Yeah, Michele Suave, uh, Suave doesn't seem to be particularly interested in being a director necessarily. He just liked working with certain people and being like sure, involved yeah. in making films, but not necessarily being the guy. It's a lot of responsibility. Sure. Yeah. So like that might have been part of it. Um, yeah, if you're somebody who would be more comfortable being like a cinematographer or yeah. something, then being like, yeah, well, why don't you direct? It's like, that's a big step it's not as it's not as like lateral a move as you might think yeah not everybody wants to sure. run the show yeah some yeah. people just want to do their own little thing that they are like particularly interested in and good at and, yeah, you yeah know, for set, sure. and get, he's a you know, with 
his direction in this is good though oh my gosh There's a lot of really this has some really cool yeah. visuals in it yeah. yeah when they are having sex near the husband and stuff and she kind of like rises up and uh there's a statue behind her that's got the wings out so it looks like she's got angel wings and then she leans back down it's a reveal of her husband came back yeah, yeah. like that's a hard working shot that yeah. i really am I'm totally there for. Yeah. And, uh, it is uh, really good. Um, Valentina's, um, head flying through the air at her father. And so it's a from inside the mouth shot. It's very evil dead. Yeah. It's very evil it's dead. Very evil dead. It's very fun. Um, and I feel like there was something else that I found particularly compelling. And, uh, well, there's a thing when they're, I believe it's when they're in the ossuary. Yeah. He goes to kiss her. Cause like apparently the ossuary, it's the bone shack in a lot of ways is what's yeah. going yes. on. I refer to it as a bone storage room. That's what it is. It's where the bones of the dead would be like placed and stored. Um, like the catacombs under France, the famous. Yeah. Um, are they just called the catacombs? Or yeah. 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 It's like that. So yeah, it's just like bones. And in this case, there's like water on the floor. It's not like yeah. a, it's a not lot a, I mean, of d- water. Depending on where you have you're... You to call your ossuary plumber guy. Yeah. Depending on where, you know, you're at and what the like... Um, you mean like emotionally? Like death, no, what the, what, <laughs> where you're at geographically and what the death practices are and stuff. Frequently, like wet dead were interred. Yeah, and I then saw once, that movie. And then once... <laughs> it was uh, gross. And then once I your can't. bones <laughs> <laughs> are, you know, stripped somewhat, then you might be uh, moved to... Yeah, cata- to Yeah, disinterred and reinterred into catacombs or ossuaries or wherever. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you would use those graves for, again, more fresh, wet Dead. bodies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all very interesting. Yeah. But my point was, it's not a real sexy room. No. For most people. I understand. And if that's your thing, I'm not trying to, as, as, as we say, you know, I'm not trying to yuck your yum. <laughs> but she fucking really likes that ossuary. She, uh, I believe my notes say, ossuary, she's really into bones. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you, Michele Swami was like elbowing people was like, uh? is it a bone room? Is a bone room. I brought it up because, yeah, she's really, really turned on. And he's been turned on since the moment he saw her. He's, yeah. you know, it's, she, I think she's Which come back to. They also keep the... referencing that he's impotent. I wanted to get to this in a minute. Okay. Yes. And uh, two things. So, yeah, she's real into it. And like I said, like, he had fallen in love with her the instant he saw her. So she, I think, came back to the cemetery two different times. This is, like, the, yeah. maybe the third time. So now that she's into it, he's like, oh, we should make out. And she goes, not like that. Like this. And she, like, wraps a cloth around her head and a cloth around his head. And they kiss. Which is, uh, it's a Magritte painting. Um, oh. It's The Lover's Two by Rene Magritte. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. I, you know what? Maybe that's why I was just like, why does this seem familiar? But yeah, we were talking about interesting visual um, things. Hunter's big on art connections. Yeah. Well, so stuff looks... I was, I, I've, I've spent more than a little time at a, at a couple of art museums. You know, not to brag, but I have culture. It's coming oh, out yeah. every pore. Oh, uh, another sort of Evil Dead shot when um, I mentioned that Delamorte destroys Nagi's TV by accident. Mm-hmm. It's when the scouts come back. Yeah. Um, and Nagi is watching TV with the uh, 
I think with headphones in. Yes. Like plugged into the TV. Yeah. I think is what it is. Or he's got the TV muted and he's just listening to headphones. Mm -hmm. But either way, the joke is that, you know, all this chaos is happening. Del Morte's firing a pistol in his tiny little apartment, but he can't hear it because of the whatever. And as he's leaving, after dispatching all these scouts and shit, Del Morte, um, he shoots one of the scouts. The scout falls. His hand hits the remote and it turns the volume up and like, TV all of a sudden makes a noise and Del Morte like turns, you know, on a dime and shoots thinking it's another, you know, scout or something. And he blows a hole in the TV and then the camera pans, pulls back through the busted TV, busted mm. smoking TV. And that kind of weird point of view stuff is always going to look like Evil Dead to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that makes absolute sense. And I was like, oh, I love that shot. It's a great shot. I think my other big thing was just the appearance of the Grim Reaper because it's, I guess, like a puppet but so it is a skull with, you know, sooty gray wings. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, ragged, like, cloak. Yeah, but and it's so it just looks cloak. real good. Like, there's yeah. the blowing air around yeah. it. So it looks it looks a lot like the, um, if I'm not mistaken, is it the Muppet Christmas Carol? Death? Oh, maybe. Right? Ooh, well, it's yeah. the, it's the Ghost like... of Christmas Future, Future. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah, but, yeah, it, yeah. but it looks like the Grim Reaper and yeah. it's very, like, big and flowy and scary. Yes. It kind of looks a lot like that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, whoever did the fabrication on that fucking nailed it. This is the, good. Look, the effects in this are great. Yes, um, yeah. We oh. talked a little bit about Claudio when he drives up out of the grave. Like his uh, motorbike is all fucked up, which they, you know, they just like melted a bunch of plastic and like affixed it to the front of his motorbike. Yeah. So it looks like like wrecked metal and stuff. And he's got makeup, of course, but he's got like a pipe sticking out of his head. And there's, like, a blinker, I guess, embedded in his skull because his, like, left eye is, like, flashing. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. It's mm-hmm. such a great design, and, and it's executed incredibly well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the makeup, the practical effects in this are great. She, when she comes back, like, for real, for real, mm-hmm. and she's fully a return, like, she has, uh, uh, like, she looks like some kind of evil, like, fairy queen. Like, there's, like, uh, branches and stuff, like, that are growing, like, out of her hair and... Yeah. She's surrounded by like flowing like uh, strips of fabric, and she's backlit with these big washes of light. And yeah. it's so cool. It, it looks incredible. Yeah, it really does. I do have a note here that says, "Don't let Nagi cook." Oh my god. <sighs> he at one point he hasn't told, I guess, or revealed to Del Morte that Valentina's head is living in his busted TV, so. He's, like, preparing dinner, and Delamorte is sitting at his little tiny kitchen table, I guess expecting Nagi to give him food. And Nagi piles, it's, he picks up, like, spaghetti with his hand, Ugh. chopped up bananas he puts on top of it, then a big, huge hunk of, of bread, Italian style, mm-hmm. and then random olives... Yeah, well, and, and then, then maybe lettuce leaves. I was gonna say it looks like lettuce. Then when he's like, yeah. you know, holding them later, so I'm like, ah. Oh. And he just picks, and he's like, ah, oh, and you know. Del Morte makes some crack about like, oh boy, Nagi, like you're not a, not a great cook or whatever. And but he's still sitting there like getting ready, ready to eat. go. Yeah. And Nagi just like leaves with two plates of food, and Del Morte's like, huh? okay, the fuck. Yeah. Del, Nagi also opens. He's two big plates of food. Manages to open the door. Doesn't close it. <laughs> just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is. He's just like, yeah, I gotta go. My side piece is waiting. I gotta see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but okay, so the the impotence thing. Yeah. They talk about him being impotent, I think at least twice. Um, yes. When she is reported as dead and um, the marshal. 
and the doctor come up to the cemetery. The marshal's like, yeah, you know, I knew you couldn't have done it because, uh, you know, she had she had, had sex. And everybody knows you're impotent. Yeah. And I was like, do we now? Yeah, that, it's That's weird. at least a half an hour into the movie. Right. It's also like, in this, I know this is a small town, but does everybody, everybody. know that? <laughs> oh, good old impotent uh, Frank, Frank Francesco. Yeah. I'm just going to say a thing really quick, and oh, then we're boy. not going to discuss it. Oh, no. Uh, that that might have made him more qualified for the job. Oh, gross. And that's it. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Um, that's a possibility, sure. You know what? Never would have thought about it, but that's... Someone thought about it. Yeah. So, huh. What yeah, did... how often How often did you have to find an obviously fucked dead person <laughs> where you were like, we have to change our hiring practices? <laughs> yeah. Men, do better. I mean, I feel like twice is a pattern. <laughs> right, but industry-wide. Well, well, yeah, it's everybody's making that discovery. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yikes. Boy. Yikes. Sometimes it might not have been after the fact. It might have been a real hand-in-the-cookie-jar situation. Please explain. God dead-handed. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we're done here. This is already very... No, no, no. I think it's very appropriate on this episode on Cemetery Man for Allison to keep digging a huge hole. <laughs> there is some grave digging Fair. that goes on in this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you know, yeah, you're talking about uh, you're at work. Yeah. So, yeah. There's two great uh, hit in the head with a shovel. They call it a spade because it's uh, Europe. Yeah. But, yeah, clonked in the head with a shovel with this, like, shovel embedded halfway into a skull. They do that gag twice and then they do it again. I think it's the husband gets the cross off the top of a gravestone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's so fucking good. It comes, like, out his mouth. Yeah. yeah. It's very ornate. Oh, it's and so And thus good. very pointy. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's it's such a cool, such a great visual and such a fun effect. The movie is funny. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't want everybody to think I'm a terrible person, but, like, the reveal that Claudio, you know, had this accident with a busload of, of Boy Scouts is pretty funny. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's black well, humor. It's it's very um. What's the trick or treat? Right? Mm. There's a busload of kids go off the cliff in a ravine or something in trick or treat. Might be a quarry, but yeah, yeah, or something. Whatever yeah. it is, and that's like that's like the third story in that movie. And like that's a horror comedy, and you know, right? I don't know. There's something funny about that. About like it's a bus full of Boy Scouts and nuns. And nuns, yeah. yeah it's it's funnier that it's like the most innocent people it could have been. The yeah. the bus crash is also a little gratuitous. It is to the point where like it's it's kind of funny if you watch a lot of horror or yeah. like other stuff. Oh, the bus like, like running yeah. over her head. And... Yeah, it's so head splatty and like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It's having fun with the genre and with gore. Yeah. And... It's not, like, nothing in this is super gross, no. really, right? Like, there's nothing, I mean, like, the head splattiness, like, if, if that's, you know. If I mean, everybody's going to have their own tolerance for sure. certain things. Maybe yeah. it's gross that Nagi pukes on Valentina. You know, it depends on, like, It's your... grosser that Claudio pulls up and is like, ciao, you got vomited on? I hop on the back. Depart. Like, literally, hop on right behind me and press your vomit-soaked vomit. body to my back. <laughs> and we will ride off. Well, As the... lovers... Pearl. Depending on how yeah. often he's washed that jacket, it might be an improvement. Now, see, it's, the jacket is—it's a leather jacket. It's fine. It's—it's it's everything proof. I have—I have a leather jacket. 
Mm. If somebody was like, I'm going to puke, and I turned around and they puked all over the back of my jacket, I'd be like, <laughs> I win. Because it didn't get to any of the absorbent materials. Yeah. But. That's fair. I still wouldn't be like, oh, you're covered in vomit? Please. Touch hug me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how Italian I am. It's crazy. It is crazy. Claudio. He is handsome, though. Yeah. Um, he's not, like, great looking. But, like, he's a handsome guy. I think Valentina's very cute. Yeah. The actress, uh, mm-hmm. Fabiana Formica. Oh, no, okay. I'd see her, too. Oh, okay. Okay, so, the impotence. Yes. Yes. Um, but he's not impotent. Right. But everybody seems to think he is. Right. So, okay, maybe Allison's... Well, but also, it's not like he... So, I don't... I read it as, like, oh, he's a pathetic, sad boy... So he has ...who's to never be... dated. Well, so I think he also does specifically say he has impotence in one of his monologues. Does he? I think so. But also, when he and she are on her husband's grave, there's a lot of non-penetrative activity happening. Mm-hmm. It's oh, yeah. a little this questionable on... as to whether or not they're, they ever get around to any penetrative activity. No, they definitely do. Okay. Okay, so, two things. One... As mentioned on previous episodes, uh, on Letterboxd, I have a cunnilingus list where we I, oh. I keep track of films that I've watched on Letterboxd. It's his cunnilingus list. Because, yeah, there's it's it's rare. It shouldn't yeah. be, either in reality or in films, but it is. Yeah. And I'm not saying I have to actually like see graphic like cunnilingus, but just the implied cunnilingus. Right. Yes. It's not fucking... There's so many movies where you get an implied blowjob or whatever. Right. But, like, it's so much rarer to get implied cunnilingus. Uh, it's stupid. So I keep track of it. How many of them are horror movies? It's a lot. I was going to say, is it kind of a lot? Because like immediately when you're like, oh, on-screen cunnilingus, I immediately think of Don't Look Now. Yeah. Horror movies in general, a lot, A, hornier, but B, and this is a phrase I shouldn't use because it's just inviting all kinds of puns, but thinking outside the box. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of horror is for queers. It, it yeah. is, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, but so, even, but, yeah, so you're, even, yeah, you're going to... Even uh, not, you know. even as depicted through heteronormative couples, like... It's a lot more sexually, like, creative. Yes, sure. Um, I am just thinking of TV that I've watched recently where uh, that has come up in two two different, um, like, shows that I've been watching. The new season of Ted Lasso is filthy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. At one point, he looks directly at the camera and goes, I didn't grow this mustache for nothing. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Spoilers. I sorry, I'm over here thinking about that scene in Short Bus where he's yelling the national anthem into some guy's ass. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an analingus list. Yeah, because um, we're not there yet as a society, <laughs> but we should. We should get there. Yeah, horror horror directors, step up your game. Yeah, because um, boy, can I even think of analingus besides that? I think there was one more, but I can't remember like what it was. There's, I mean, there's famously the episode of Girls where, well, uh, yeah, but no, where, where everyone found out you could eat ass. I guess. Yeah, no, I think I saw it in a movie. Entertainment Weekly was like breaking news: asses can be eaten for pleasure. No, I think we saw something, and it might not have even been in English, but where it was like, oh yeah, you know, can you lick my ass? And he's like, yeah, sure. Well, honestly, but I don't remember um, what it was. Deep Water, previous episode, Deep Water has... Oh, maybe that was it. It's implied. Yes. It's not explicit, but it is yes. implied. Where she's like, do you want to kiss my ass? And Ben yeah. Affleck is like, I really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that might have been it. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yes, yeah, so that's two. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, on Letterboxd, the default like thing for when you have a list is five images. Yeah. So even if it's going to be a public list, I don't make it public until I have at least five. Five, yeah. I just aesthetically... For aesthetics, yeah. Yeah, I hate the thing of like it's got three and then two gray boxes. Ugh. Yeah. Or I'm I just like, mm. uh, write in W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W at gmail.com if you'd like me to start an analingus list for films to follow along. I will do it. I got time. It yeah. doesn't take it's just a couple of clicks. It's not that hard. <laughs> so the engineer thing. Yeah. Make it make sense. I think it might just be a weird translation thing. It that was feels thing. like it's a pun in Italian, but I don't know enough Italian to figure out what the fuck right. is happening. And the little speak Italian here. <laughs> no. And the little old lady does explain it, but even that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because she always calls him engineer and he always but it's not just her, it's other people as well. But yeah. Every time she says it, he corrects her. And he's like, I'm not an engineer. I'm, you know, I don't even know if he says, like, I'm a caretaker. But he's like, I'm not an engineer. And she goes, you watch over the cemetery, yes? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, you're an engineer. And I was like, no. Yeah. Maybe, yeah what? Maybe, maybe it's part of, like, how, like, it's, you know, phrased. Yeah, yeah. The, you know. Yes, it's a pun that only works in right. Italian. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, like, you know, it's like a... Like, in, like, ja- in Japanese, the number four and the word for death the kanji right are very different are very no, no, similar no no no, it no it's the pronunciation oh it's the pr- actual pronunciation is, okay it, and it's and it's one okay you can say four in different ways well you have to because one of them but, sounds like death. yeah she sounds like death but also can mean four. Oh, she and so that's why mm. four is considered an unlucky number in oh. japanese right it's yeah. like again it's like the 13th yeah number you know right. yeah. yeah but it's, it's one of the tomorrow. Yeah. but it is one of the main ones yeah like 13 is that little out there yeah like, you're never like, mm, I'm going to take a handful of M&M's. Oh, I can only eat three of them because to eat another one would be real bad. But yeah. <laughs> I, either I, have to, I either have to stop at three or eat at least two more. But yes. yeah, I don't know if this was, like, from superstition or what, but when I was learning Japanese, when we were counting four, we always used yon. Right. As four. Alternate. Yeah. Right. Non, non-accursed four. But yes, I, I, I was wondering if that's, it's similar to that, like pronunciation thing that's yeah yeah maybe or i mean like like it might even like, be like a linguistic like, thing nobody's... like the writing of it yeah, like, like the words are written down in a similar fashion right. but maybe not even pronounced similarly right or like um, i mean we don't really talk about like um secretaries or receptionists anymore you're maybe an office manager or an but so then assistant right but so then if somebody's like oh well you're a manager you're an office manager and you're like yeah i mean you know not, not oh i see what you're saying you know, yeah. like it might be something it's like a terminology that right thing. yeah right, right. It kept coming up, and it's another thing that I didn't, I don't remember from the first time we watched it, but this time I was like, they don't ever do anything with this, right? But um, it is odd. It's weird because yeah. they, they do make enough of a meal of it that you remember it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But nothing comes of it. Right. It's weird. It's an odd one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff in this where you're like, I do uh, what now? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the other thing that was, it could even just be apropos of nothing at all, in which case that's very odd. Right. To do. It could be, in 1994, Michele Suave invented OMG Random. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like uh, David Lynch does a lot of stuff that only seems to make sense to him. And That's so, fair. I mean, like we do have other, you know, directors and auteurs sure. and what have you that have their own. You know, it makes fetishes. The yeah. word is fetish. Sure. Yes. It's not a sexual yeah. fetish, but it is a fetish. no. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what that's that's why. The phrase sexual fetish has sexual in front of it to distinguish it from other fetishes. People, yeah. 
fetish as a focus. Right. Yeah. yeah a fetish as a, yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I, like, if you have a, a friend who's, like, a fucking dog person and they're, yeah. the, they're like, oh, I only wear t-shirts that have dogs on them. It's like, well, that's their fetish. Like, that's their one thing. They're like, I, look, I have a pin of a dog and my shoes have little, my Crocs have little, what are those things called you put in Gibbets. Crocs? Gibbets. Just got Crocs Thank you. today. Did you? By the way. My birthday present to myself. Hey, man. Iggy Pop's got them. They're fine. Uh-huh. They're supposed to be really comfortable. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you'll have to let me know. And Allison's just over here just fucking naked. Okay. So many faces shitting on Crocs. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, sorry. I did the same thing. I know thing. why. She's an alligator. Okay. The alligator-crocodile rivalry continues. Did you hear about all the crocodiles that they found in the city recently? Our city oh, here? Philadelphia. Yes. Somebody, there was a couple in North Philly yeah. that got divorced, and then Animal Control had to get this crocodile because they just had it in the house. It was and a pet? It was a yes. six-foot-long crocodile. Like, grown-ass fucking crocodile. That's yeah. wild. No, I had not heard about this. Oh, man. And this is the, the fourth crocodile that the animal animal control has like had to take from somewhere because they found one in FDR Park. Oh my god! Oh, okay, that was what I was gonna I say. Like, are they one. are they out here just like around? They found one in the lake at FDR Park. Oh shit! I actually do think I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, it was like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, this new one was like the other day, but they said that there's been an uptick. <laughs> Take Dude, that, New York. There's nothing that would make me happier than being like, Philadelphia is the uh, rampant crocodile uptick uh, yeah. by 300%. Crocodile, alligator. I'm not sure mm-hmm. which one it was, but I was I do like, remember the FD, FDR Park one now that you mentioned. Yeah, it was a much smaller one, though. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, like, the North Philly one big. big. They theorized that it was somebody's pet that somebody that had, like, left. abandoned yeah, like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they were just like, oh, here, let it live in this lake. Which is great. Yes, do that. Yeah. Oh, you want <laughs> You want my rent check? I'll tell you where it is. <laughs> Put it on a, a paper plate and I float it out to the middle of the lake. Go get it. <laughs> I was thinking about this as I was trying to go to bed last night. Which what? Alligator? That, no, no, no. Oh. You know how... Uh, Do you count them like sheep? You know how when you're watching like a 70s movie and they're like, yeah, in the year 2000, everybody will wear rings and rings will be the thing and yeah. stuff. Yeah. If you were to be like, here's some modern footwear. We have Crocs and we have Yeezys and we have uh, those uh, fucking Mario boots. Oh, yeah. Uggs. Like, fucking, Uggs, yeah. you know, somebody would be like, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. These <laughs> are all fake. These ones are all made of foam. In the, in the movies, that would be a thing everybody wears. But now people make this ugly... Like like the Mario boots. Like I understand they're cool aesthetically because they look exactly like fucking video game boots. Yeah. But like, they don't look good on anybody. Nobody's worn them and looked good. No. But they make them. You know, and they're prohibitively expensive. Right. But if you made them cheap enough, every, they would Although, be the new like Uggs. Yeah. Like everyone would wear them. Historically. Yeah. People have absolutely done very stupid, very improbable fashion choices. People get like the little toad shoes that had like. Like the, they were made of toads? No, like jester shoe looking things. And oh, stuff the like curly that. shoes. Where it, they'd have like toes so long that you'd have to tie them to your calves. Yeah. And they started putting restrictions on how long you could have the toes of your boots if you weren't of like a noble class. Amazing. To help keep like the riffraff from wearing these long ass fucking shoes when they had to like do farming and stuff. Only we can look this stupid. Yes. Yes. So basically what I'm trying to say is time is a flat circle and now we have these fucking video game boots. Yeah. Time is not a flat circle in this instance. People just are still dumb. Yeah. Well, this movie was so weird. Uh, Again, beautiful. Yeah. There there are a lot of like really cool looking 
things about this movie. There is actually, uh, we mentioned a little bit of the practical effects. There's a great practical effect, which is the, like, uh, Will of the Wisps that appear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the little fire thing. Yeah, it's just, like, little balls of fire floating in the air that are just, like, flaming shit on, not strings, but, like, metal, I'm guessing, like, thin metal rods. Like, yeah. And they're just floating all around. It's great. It looks super cool. And for the most part, you don't even see the strings. But occasionally you do, and that's kind of, like, adorable to me. Yeah. But way better is when she is, like, dead and interred in the ossuary. Um, well, she's not interred, but yeah. What, what's interred mean? Interred means that you're buried. Oh, I thought interred meant, like, I was wrong. So, but when <laughs> she's dead and she's under her shroud in uh, the ossuary... There's like a, a fly crawling across it, but it's like it's a fly on a string, like on yeah, a stick, right. and you can totally see it. It's like so, it's so good and so funny. I I just like that. Presumably, Michele Suave was like, we needed the fly in this scene. Yeah, absolutely. I just I think mean, that's so great. It's so funny to me. But it's like yeah, it's just bouncing around on the stick. Yeah. Well, it might not even necessarily be the we need the fly, but he's like, no, 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 we definitely need this much light here. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, but Michaela, you can see the string. Like, it's it's like, yeah. It's like, hey, no, forget about it. No, she is important here. Yeah. Did I ever tell the forget about it story on the podcast? Um, I used to have a, uh, I think it was Leonard Malton film book somebody had given me. <laughs> um, I kept it by the TV in my living room at my mom's house when I was a kid. And whenever a movie was like coming up next on, you know, HBO, whatever. I would look it up in the Leonard Malton f- film book and be like, does it sound like something I want to watch? If it was something I never heard of or wasn't really sure of. So it was like, coming up next, Donnie Brasco. And I was like, <laughs> Donnie Brasco. And I look it up. And it says like, uh, a cop goes undercover in a, or a criminal organization then loses control. Uh, and But it's, it's Leonard Malton, so he's like pithy. Like he's got like, yeah. he's got, he got jokes as the kids say. Right. So it was like, you know, is this one worth checking out? Forget about it. But it's spelled like F-U-G, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, is this one worth checking out? Fugidibooded. <laughs> I was like, huh, what does that mean? And like, I couldn't Google shit. Yeah. Right. I would have had to boot up a whole computer to do that. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Uh, didn't you find Cemetery Man in... The... Oh, yeah, speaking of film books. Yeah. At my, at my current job, we have um, <laughs> the Video Hounds Golden Movie Retriever from the year 1997. Oh. It's big. It's like a small telephone book. Wow. And I was like, I wonder if Cemetery Man's in there. It Explain is. Explain telephone book for the kids. That <laughs> uh, lists all the numbers of your friends and their names. In keeping to the bit, commitment to the bit, the Video Hound Golden Movie Retriever book has a scale of bones. <laughs> Appropriate for this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is true. The rating scale goes from woof, which is no bones at all, <laughs> to Four whole bones. <laughs> um, with half bone measures in between. Perfect. So this film got two bones. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, which two bones rates as maybe perfectly delightful for certain tastes. Okay. A waste of time for others, usually uninspired genre flicks. Huh. I mean, I think the uninspired thing is unfair, but the rest of that's actually very... Accurate. Yeah, Yeah, accurate, this is I'd not say. for everybody, um, yeah. but it, it is a genre flick. I think it's... I think it's you know, inspired. Again, again yeah. I think it's beautiful, even if it's hard to parse in certain It is. It's very parts. weird. It's a thing that has serious dream logic, and that's not everybody's thing. Yeah. yeah. Some people really need, like, an ABC, like, it makes sense, or 
or it makes sense until it was all a dream. But if you're just right. like, none of this makes sense, and also it was a dream, it's like, is that a twist? It's like, no, nah, maybe that's the explanation. Right. It's a snow globe. I have a theory. We'll get to that. Okay. okay. So, but I'm let me read the review. That. It's just short. It's a little paragraph. Yeah. Grotesque little saga about zombies and necrophilia. Not really. No. Set yeah. in a, we, we covered this. Yeah. Set in a small Italian cemetery. Thanks to a weird post-death plague, the corpses refused to stay quietly in their graves, for, forcing watchman Francisco de la Morte, Everett, and mute gravedigger Nagi, Haji Lazaro, to split their heads open. That's, sometimes. Sometimes you just shoot them, dude. Come on. <laughs> but when Francisco's dead sweetheart, Falchi, rises from her grave, he's a little slow to rebury the still active corpse. Based on the Italian graphic novel De la Morte de la More from the Dylan Dog series by Tiziano Sclavi. So I guess it is from the series, yeah. I mean, that's what this says. But also, yeah. he was not 100% accurate on some stuff. Yeah, true. But uh, I do love this little weird little film book. But I had a small one. It was... Um, it was the size of, like, those things that are called pocket dictionaries but would not fit in, like, a non-Jinko pocket. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, like, that was my Leonard Malton You could maybe squeeze yeah. one into a cargo pocket. Yes. Cargo yeah. pockets, I think, were in sp- explicitly invented to carry Leonard Malton film books. <laughs> uh, it's not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, you got your malty on the one side, and you got malty. your malty. Oh, I'm you, sorry, and, you're on a nickname base. And you got your malt liquor on the other side. <laughs> malt yeah. liquor. And you just got yourself an evening in your pants. I'm fucking getting malted tonight, baby. What's up? Double malted. Did yeah. you boot it? <laughs> <laughs> you boot it. Cemetery man. Fugitive boot it. <laughs> Cemetery mang. Mang. Fugitive boot it. Well, all right. Let's talk about uh, performances. Are any any performances in this that you want to like specifically highlight or call out as good or bad? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. I, I I'm think... not entirely sure all the time what the emphasis is <laughs> in certain things. Explain your thing. Um, like I don't know. Like Falchi is just so gorgeous in this, but she's it's very... mostly because she's very pretty and also you know has very attractive breasts mm-hmm. and it's they not are. necessarily that like it's like a particularly stirring performance it's just that like yeah she's got like this this look that's very timeless i guess is what i want to say with that yeah um i think she and rupert everett have good chemistry on that's true yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i really do i think like when they're interacting they have that scene when he picks um not picks them up, but when he takes the two college girls uh, up the road, drives them home. Yeah. You know, they get there and, and the one girl gets out and is like, because the whole gag is he's drinking because he's just committed like a murder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Several murders. And he's drinking in a bar and this like, you know, beautiful college girl comes in and she's like, hey, is that your car outside? Like, my friends and I are going just up the road a little ways, but, like, we could really use a ride. That'd be super cool if you'd give us a ride. And he's kind of, like, staring, like, up over, like, the bridge of his nose at her. Like, the fuck? Right. I'm just trying to drink. I just killed so many people. <laughs> and then the friend walks in, and the friend is uh, Falchi. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, it's she again. Oh. So then he's like, I guess I could take you. Okay. Drives them up the road. When they get there, the friend gets out, and um, then Falchi gets out. She says something like, I grant wishes. Why don't you make a wish? And she comes around to the driver's side door and he pulls out cigarettes and a lighter and he lights his cigarette and he lights hers. But he says like, I, he's like, I want you to fall in love with me. And she goes, I'm already in love with you. Yeah. 
and like they have they have good chemistry and they're like staring in each other's eyes lighting cigarettes off the off this big lighter like yeah. and it's like it's cute like it's it it is it's sexy like it's you know it's not like oh it's so erotic but it is like it's it's a cute yeah. it's a meat cute kind of thing and then but then yeah then they have a lot of sex and she's like oh it's cold in this room that's why i have a space heater that's gonna be important in 10 minutes yeah and then he gets up and he goes out to get a drink and that's when the roommate or whatever is like oh you can just pay me and he's like pay you for what and she's like we're you know prostitutes or actually she says like we're paying our way through college college is expensive yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he goes yeah cool dope you take a check and she's like, yeah, whatever. And then Smash cuts her back in the room and he's like, well, See gotta ya. go. And he puts the space heater in the bed and throws a blanket over it. And then he's standing there like lighting a cigarette and over his shoulder in the background, the sheets are catching fire. And then it just cuts to outside and the house is on fire. And it's, it's funny. It's super toxic. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not a good dude in the second half of this film. No. No. At all. Like, it's, I understand like, it's taking it's it's adapting a thing from a different era. I don't again. I don't know the exact era when this movie or when the the graphic novel was was like created. Right. Yeah. But there's the cliche of like, oh, it's Italy. Blah blah. No, so, but I mean, like you were talking about like that from like a perspective of maybe there was some sort of infection or possession or something. Yes. And like his behaviors does change. In the latter half of the movie, so in the first part he's basically I don't know like a Davy Havoc lyric. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like, lovelorn, and um, he is, though, real stupid, though, unlike Davy Havoc. Davy Havoc, very <laughs> well-read, quotes a lot of literature, has read, uh, I think, a lot of very romantic poetry oh. and books. Yeah, wait, let's talk about that, where, like, he doesn't really like to read, except that he likes to go through old phone books and kind of cross books. people off as they, as, as, yeah, like, as he's making, like, a obituary, like, album or uh, scrapbook or something uh, obituary yeah. they have a bunch of good albums <laughs> no i've never listened to them i'm sure that's i'm sure that's true though yeah i'm sure their albums are very good oh that is definitely a real ba- i mean Obitu- it sounds, oh, yeah, it sounds, it sounds like band, it would be yeah. a real band yeah. they have one of the more legible uh like death metal logos. death metal logos. Oh, okay like yeah. you can read it easily okay yeah. it doesn't look like a bunch of sticks mm-hmm. but yeah like i forget what the actual line is but sure. he's like i can read but like i don't really except for like i haven't read a book i haven't yeah. read more than two books in my whole life yeah yeah, yeah. something like that and um, later on nagi nagi has a th- nagi's basically his whole job is corralling all the dead leaves in the cemetery oh when um, nagi jumps on it yeah jumps the wind, on like the wheelbarrow yeah he's been like piling them up and scooping them into a wheelbarrow to take them i guess presumably to burn them somewhere and the wind starts blowing, and they're all blowing out of the wheelbarrow. And he's like, "No, no, no!" Like he's not—he's non-vocal, but he's like, uh, 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 and he's like trying to stop them. And he's like, "No, no, no! Stop, stop blowing it!" And then he just throws himself on top of it. It's such a good physical performance. You know, like, I think I think Nagi is probably like my favorite. Like it, it legitimately—it's a fearless performance. Yeah, like because he, like you're not speaking, but you're one of the main characters in this this movie, and like you feel a lot. First of all, you're described as a character. He's described as, like, hideous, basically. Right. Like, um, there's a line, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's like, um, under the distinguishing characteristics uh, for Nagi, God checked all. <laughs> right. And the idea is that, like, he's got everything. And it's like, no, he's just like a bald, heavy guy. Yeah. Like, but he doesn't, you know, it's not like he's got, like, I don't know. A mole and a cross eye and a hair yeah, lip he's, and he's Uncle Fester ish. Yeah, he he looks yes he looks yeah. like a jovial Uncle Fester. Yeah, like. yeah. 
But, like, it's a very fearless performance. He's frequently, like, drooling. He vomits on that beautiful girl. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a performance that's just like, oh, it's, it's like, borderline slapstick. It's, like, gross out, um, um, what's his name? Um, Meet the Feebles. Uh, oh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. It's, like, borderline gross out Peter Jackson slapstick. Yeah. Right? Like. Yeah, for sure. But it's a good, it is a good performance. Um, I really like Valentina, I think, in yeah. her brief, like. She's she's playing a caricature, you know. She's playing this like bratty kid where she refers to Nagi as it. Yeah. Yeah, but also she kind of, I mean, for me at least, kind of almost comes off as more spunky than anything else. Yeah. Like she's not super unlikable. No, no, no. She's not shitty all the time. No, when she's first introduced at the luncheon, thing, I mean, she she's even... like, "What's its name?" And you know, she, uh, yeah. Morte's trying to petition the mayor to like investigate what's going on at the cemetery. And he's like, uh, uh, Nagi. And he goes back to like, but, but mayor, whatever. Yeah. And she's like, mm, he's cute. Like, yeah, but it kind of has the, like, I'm, I'm rich. I'm famous. I can buy and sell people like you. Like it has that air to it. Sure. But when he digs her up, she at first is a little like, uh, eh, what's going on? But we see they have like a nice little home life set up. Like, yeah. You know, she lives in this TV. He, I guess, feeds her, which is, I think, unnecessary because A, she's dead, and B, she's just a head, but whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> well, it might even just be that, like, he puts food out in front of her right. so they can have a meal together. And then he eats You it. know, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, who else would eat that? It's pasta with bananas, <laughs> yeah. lettuce, a big honk of bread. That's a lot of carbs, Nagi. I mean, yeah. like... Yeah. You know. I love bread and pasta. Yeah. I am also absolutely team uh, dunkier french fries into mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like doing a bacon-wrapped ham. Mm-hmm. Who's going to say no? Strict Jewish people. Well, okay. That's Vegetarians. Very fair. That's very fair. Yeah. Much like sunning your taint, it's not okay to bring a bacon-wrapped ham to a bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we have two things absolutely not to do at a bar mitzvah. Boy. Oh, I want to point out the show. <laughs> I don't know if this is a real show. I have no idea. The show that Nagi is watching um, when the scouts uh, like attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, before the TV gets blown up, it's called War Blob, <laughs> which is basically <laughs> what, what you I call, call War Blob. <laughs> oh wow, War Blob! <laughs> yeah, I didn't uh, notice that, but AEW, that's really funny. AEW wrestler that we love, Wardlow, um, Crystal could not maybe say his now name. has yeah, gotten it, but I've... it took like honestly a year. And I'm not dragging you; it's just funny. It's adorable. But yeah, you were like War. Blorb, like, <laughs> and so we just as the house, we just started calling him Warblorb. Yeah, and we're like, ah, oh, Warblorb's got a match tonight. Like, yeah, and he was nobody really. He was in MJF's entourage. Yeah, so he was just like the the muscle. So it was cool. Like, ah, oh, Warblorb's on screen. Like, we just were like, yeah. And then he got a push and is like an uh, inter yeah. like on and off champion. You know. Yeah. So like that's awesome. But he like, was the beefy guy in a singlet, a la Ryback. If you're familiar with but the better. teens yeah. of uh, WWE. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the WWE, trust me, has no shortage of beefy guys in singlets. That's Actually, true. fair Big enough. Because, e. I mean, all, yeah, Big, Big e, e. famously. Kurt Angle for a very long time. Not as beefy, but pretty beefy. Yeah. Pretty beefy. Beefy for an average man. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, like, very... Um, but, I was gonna, but Vic, I was gonna Big say, Van Vader, beefy uh, guy in yeah. singlet. Mm-hmm. I was going to say over, but I think I mean more notorious. Who? Kurt Angle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I also, I really like, it's very short, but I like, uh, she's not named, but I like Claudio's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, the other girl. That, the girlfriend, not yeah. Valentina, yeah. Oh, it's okay, he's eating my shoulder, he's just hungry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when, when Del Morte finds her. 
Yeah, she's like, he's only eating me. I will be eaten by whomever I want. I was like, yeah. I was like, I like, I like the in 1994. I like the you know the the headway we made towards consent. Sure. And the discussion yeah. around it. But you are still both about to be real evil. Wait a second. She was still alive. Yeah. So then he shot her in the head, but she never. We never see her come back. I mean, it could just be that we didn't see. Well, so he was right. saying that you need to destroy the brain for them, to, for the returners to be oh. put down. So maybe that so, just stops it from coming right. Back. Like that's really where you get into like the like official zombie, and that yeah. makes the going into town to shoot people in the head make sense because you're preemptively even you, right. Yeah. Even if you do bury them, they won't come back. Right. The brain's right. Been destroyed. Yeah. Oh, okay. That actually makes some of that make sense. Not the burning the two uh, college girls to death because nope. that, that does nothing to. No, advance. that's no. just some incel nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo boy. Yeah. Of like, oh, I was fine about this until I found out you were prostitutes, and now <laughs> yeah. I have anger issues. Right, right, right. Whatever, yeah. dude. You live nearly alone in a cemetery. And, and also thought that you had done a thing where now your dick doesn't work. And it turns out it does for this girl. Right. So... Like, I, I don't remember how much they were asking, but that's like worth the price of admission, kind of. Yeah. Be like, my dick definitely does do work. <laughs> People do like it. She seemed okay with it. Yeah. Also, it doesn't mean she doesn't like you. Right. It just means that she... This is what she and, does for a living. And you know what? You didn't even ask her. He didn't even ask her. Right. Maybe she was like, oh, no, no, no. No, that one was. I love him. Yeah. Well, she. Yeah. Maybe she's like, I do genuinely love him. We're not charging him. And then her, you know, roommate would be like, fine. But then we're gonna have to go and fuck some other uh, schlub. Yeah. And we're gonna have to do the landlord again. Right. And then (laughs) I know someone did that. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh man, America! What a great country. Yeah, man. No problems here. Nope. Nope. Not a one. Everything is great. I, mean, I was also thinking about that recently because of how much of a joke selling feet on the internet has become, but also like... You know, free feet? If I had an OnlyFans, if I started an OnlyFans, which I'm really against, I'd be like, I'm going to be online later tonight, clickbaiting. <laughs> clickbaiting. <laughs> that would be what I would refer to it as. Oh, I see. It's marketing. That's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, see, right? Okay. Yeah. You're already like, that guy's cute. Yeah. He's clever. <laughs> I like him. Look at this weird penis. <laughs> She had like a question mark, but like wrong. It's like not even a good question mark. It's like a question I don't want the answer to. <laughs> Holy shit. That's a... Oh. I was going to say I'm surprised that this episode got this horny, except no, I'm no, not. I not, watched yeah. the movie. The movie's also pretty horny. It like. Is. Um... <laughs> Horned even. Horned. We were talking a little bit about the performances. I, I think Rupert Everett is good in this. He he has to carry so much of it, and a lot of it is dependent on him selling something really hard. Yeah. What? Like, he's selling, like, I'm enamored with her. So it's literally, like, him, like, slack-jawed, like, staring in wonder at Falchi. Right. right. Yeah. For a lot of it, because she shows up three different times, four different times, like... I think also but, he's supposed to make it seem like it's oh very normal for him to be doing this like you know killing the dead that come back because we're coming in in the middle of that happening. Yes, this is routine for him. Right. Yes, we see him on the phone pretty early on uh, with Franco, and he's like on the phone. Franco, I don't remember what they're talking about, but he's like he's like yeah, Franco, whatever. And the door like to his uh, little apartment like blows open, and it's some dead guy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got the phone on his shoulder. And he picks up his gun and he just like shoots the dead guy in the head. 
And Franco's like, what was that? And he's like, oh, I'm at work. Yeah, and he's like, just got out of the shower, I think. Yeah, that's he's one of like, them, yeah. yeah, he's like, not, no, definitely it's, just like, dripping wet. Yeah, it's very like, blasé, yeah. like, eh, another like, day at the office. Right, yeah. Um, But I think he, I think he is good. He's, he's yeah. giving great face acting in this. It's a lot of good facial mm-hmm. reactions. Yeah. Also it, very handsome in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Really. Yeah, he had a whole career in the yeah. 90s based on like, boy, what a good looking guy. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And not not to say anything disparaging about his acting chops, but like, it was just like, oh, that's a that's a handsome man. Yeah. Um, but in this, he really like, I wonder how much he was cast because he kind of looks like a Bobo Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Because there's, there's definitely a, Bruce Campbell some, vibes in this. Got some chin action going on. And he, yeah, like, and he's hmm. doing, like, a lot of, like, hammy facial acting. But it works in this because this is such a heightened, weird reality. I thought I saw that somebody else was proposed for the lead, but I think it was more of, like, a uh, marketing and, like, money issue. Okay. Um, no, go for it. I didn't read. I, I know you usually check the trivia yeah. section, so I don't, I don't bother. So this doesn't specify what company it was but allegedly there was an american company that was willing to kick in for funds for distribution if matt dillon was cast as franco francesco oh Oh, that's interesting matt dillon's not a terrible call for this either especially that era like matt dillon people might know him from there's something about mary okay oh matt dillon i've never seen Mm -hmm. that so wait really yeah no I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, but I've got it. Yeah, no, but I've never seen it. I don't know why. It was just like it's, the reason I'm actually really surprised is that's a movie that it's one of the only movies in history. Hold on one second. He's apparently in a lot of Madonna videos. <laughs> um, it's one of the only movies in history that uh, usually a movie is released on its release date. Uh, that release weekend and it makes the most money it's going to make while it's in theaters and then yeah. each week after that it either stays roughly the same or it drops, it drops and yeah. you know it stays in first place or second or third based on how much other movies make but there's something about mary made more money as it was in theaters huh because of word of mouth it, it had a decent it wasn't like it had no advertising it had right. decent advertising budget but so many people saw it and were like no you have to see this it's really funny that like people were going to see it more than the week before because the week before this many people saw it and then they told all their friends right. and then they all went and saw it and, and then told they told all, all their, their friends, friends and then even more people went and saw it like and it's one of the only movies where that is the case hmm. it basically made the Farrelly brothers career yeah. for good or ill and i would argue possibly ill yeah that also happened there's something about mary happened mm-hmm. right after they neutered uh uh, dirty work down from an R-rated movie to a oh. PG-13 movie. Not previous yeah. episode, yeah. Yeah, which I think we talked about on that episode. Yeah, usually on the podcast we do a welcome back to the show segment if that is applicable, but this uh, this time nobody in this appeared in anything we've covered on the show before. Yeah. Yeah. Which like it's not impossible, it's just it hasn't happened in a while. Yeah. Everybody on this we've we have not discussed yet. Uh but, you know, yeah. Potentially in the future, we'll cover a Michele Suave or a Rupert Everett. Yeah. yeah. My best friend's wedding, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Or Matt Dillon. <laughs> or Matt Dillon, yeah. Not in this film, but... No, but we mentioned him, We so. did talk about him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at my 
Which, yeah, we know from uh, The House That Jack Built. You remember that? Oh, boy. House That Jack Built. Man, that's a fucking good movie. Yeah. I never want to watch it again, though. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but yeah, Mount Doom. It was a Mount lot. Was that. It's, it's intense, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's as graphic as I was afraid it was going to be when we started watching sure. it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Um, um, but I've definitely, like, told people about it and then, like, very strongly been like, this is not a movie you want to watch if you're, like, not in a good headspace. Yeah. No, no, no. It's if extremely... you can watch American Psycho fine, then you're probably good enough for House that Jack built, but if yeah, that's, that's a bridge too true. far, then yeah. I think... I think it probably you, scratches yeah. a really similar itch. It's sure. the same level of, like, yeah. this is fucked up, but um, it's funny. I yeah. had the same visceral reaction from chainsaw down a stairwell as i did to um him driving yeah oh no boobs on the oh oh the boobs yeah. thing yeah. Fucking, no, him driving and leaving a fucking streak of a human yes. being yeah so yeah holy shit i yeah. will i love that forever yeah. yeah but unlike uh like 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 american psycho ends with like oh what is reality and like mm-hmm. questioning your narrator and this is interesting and that's interesting especially for the era like that was yeah, what we yeah. were doing in cinema sure. and House of Jack Bill ends with like existential like questions about the afterlife and I was like look yeah if anybody's yeah. picking up any uh, incidental noise the mayor is asleep on the couch we're recording in the living room we don't usually do but we were like ah fuck it this will be good let's be comfortable because um, I got a whole I got a big box of denim upstairs I haven't unpacked and uh, it's just taking up a lot of space so I was like you know we should record downstairs today it's very South Philly of you it is it's very Charlie King Day of, of me yeah King it, of jeans. It, it didn't oh, yeah, it didn't I got a big box of denim <laughs> but the mayor is snoozing he's so snoozy right he's now he's very loud he's all curled up and he's just like <laughs> sawing wood he's adorable <laughs> oh I really like is it Anna Felchie I really like her delivery of um when they're in the uh, ossuary, she's like, I've never seen anything so exciting. She's like, it's like in my dreams. And he says, I couldn't ask for anything more. And she says, you've got a real nice ossuary. <laughs> <laughs> I really love her delivery of that. It, or, or it's just, it's such a good. <laughs> you've got a real nice ossuary. You've got a real right. nice ossuary. <laughs> it's, like an, it's like an Adams Family like line. Yeah, it's very Morticia. It's very like folksy, but like grim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. I, I, I like that. That made me laugh. Oh, uh, Nagi, part of his job is, like I said, corralling the dead leaves. So he's burning all the dead leaves and like just trash in general. Yeah. And that's, we were talking about Del Morte being illiterate. He's or, not like... He's, he's he not says billed it. as illiterate. No, he says like, he's illiterate, but okay. what he means is he doesn't read much. Yes. Um, which might be a translation issue. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, Nagi throws, like, his old phone books are in the pile of burning trash. And that's when he's like, he's like, Nagi, these are, yeah, these are classic classics. literature. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was funny. And there's a great, like, uh, the page burns away from the lens of the camera. Yeah. Like, which is cool. Yeah, man. We're just, um, we're doing some fun stuff there is. with lenses. Again, like, this is very Evil Dead. For people who, speaking of comic books, because this is based on one, uh, 100 Bullets. Oh, my God. I loved 100 Bullets. Yeah. Fuck. Brian Azzarello is the writer, and I think it's Eduardo Riso is the uh, artist. That sounds right. Eduardo Riso, I don't know if it's because Azzarello wrote it in the scripts. I've never read any of the scripts for that, but 
there's a lot of weird i think of it as evil daddy like point of view stuff mm-hmm. yeah like there'll be somebody stubbing out a cigarette in an ashtray but the, the the illustration the panel will be from the point of view of the ashtray with a cigarette getting stubbed out in it yeah <laughs> like he does stuff like that all the time and it's it's a it's an american like crime thriller thing yeah, yeah the short like, the short elevator pitch on it is if somebody gave you an untraceable gun with 100 with bullets. 100 untraceable bullets what would you do with it shit yeah and, and it's got, it's got it like becomes like much more of like an actual like there's you know there's a couple of one-offs but there's also some machinations to get some things done by yeah. giving these things to people that are like key in in key places as i loved this, it a lot it was really this, good yeah as the series goes on it's only like 10 or 11 collections yes. of like yeah. six or whatever issues like it's it's like a hundred and plus issues total it's very compact as it goes on it's more about like there's a conspiracy a larger like unifying plot thing but for the first like hunk it's very like you get approached by a man he gives you yes a briefcase with an untraceable gun and 100 untraceable bullets and lets you loose and it's it's cool it's very interesting uh And like, yeah, the art style is like yeah, you said, very interesting. Is um, an incredible artist yeah. in general, but also the again, I don't know if it's his purview or if it's in the script, but like the choices of like where to frame a scene from yeah. are really well, interesting. Also, not just the framing, but he's got an intense use of shadow oh, yeah. while still being very colorful. But I always think of uh, when I was reading that, I was like, this does that. This does that Evil Dead thing of yeah. like, let's take a thing in the scene and make it have a point of view briefly. Which, like, Sam Raimi does a, a lot yeah. of, like, hey, this inanimate object, well, let's shoot from its point of view. <laughs> it's fun. Is there anything else that we want to talk about before I talk about my theory on what this movie is? Do we have theories? Do either of you have a specific theory? I, I do not. I do not have a theory, but I'm interested oh. to see what yours is. The very last thing I wanted to say that sure. we didn't talk about was when they go through the tunnel and stop abruptly at the end yes. and Nagi gets conked in the head and yes. Delamorte yeah, Delamorte thinks he's dead and he loads two bullets in the gun and stuff and Nagi sits back up and he goes could you take me home please? Yes. I don't think we talked about that. He actually oh, like speaks it. afterwards. Okay. Yeah. I mentioned in my walkthrough but yeah. Yeah. That is the end of the movie. Um, They're driving for a while and there's the uh, voiceover narration of like Nagi, and, Nagi yeah. and I were getting out. We were finally going to explore and live our lives and blah, 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 and, and all this. And then, again, they're driving through this, like, red light tunnel for a while. And, yeah, then it exits into, like, bright light, and we hear, like, the brakes Squealing screeching. Brakes, yeah. yeah. And it's just, like, the edge. And, like, it's not that there's nothing out there. There's, there's like, mountains. There's yeah, landscape. Can... But the, the road ends. Yeah. It dead ends. Um, it's very like the prisoner almost. Like it seems like something prisoner, right out of the prisoner or Evil Dead when the bridge is curled back up well, on itself. That's diff. That's different. I this, know that is different because this doesn't look like anything like it's not, yeah, happened. It's, it's not like it's the just not right. There. The yeah. highway yeah. fell away. Right. It's just the highway ends. Yeah. yeah. Like there's garbage. I mean, it does look a little crumbly, but like, yeah, it's not anything like supernatural necessarily. It just it's just the end of the road. It's yeah. bridges out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's again, it's not like there's nothing out there. There's there's landscape, there's like mountains in the distance and whatever, but while talking to Franco earlier, mm-hmm. Delamorte like Franco's like, "Don't you ever want to get out of this town?" and and Delamorte and it seems like he's just being emo basically. Right. Where he's like, "I don't even know if there is anything outside of this town. 
you know, what mm-hmm. could possibly exist outside of Rufalora, you know, like that kind of right. thing. And it just sounds like, it's, I was like, oh, it's just an emo kid. Like, of course, he lives in a cemetery. He's lovelorn, you know. But, you know, now we reach the end of the film, and it's like, no, there there isn't really anything. Once you get far enough away, it's just the edge. There's just nothing right. out there. Yeah. Um, so what is this, purgatory? What no, is... my theory is, uh, let's talk about Franco for a second. Okay. So, let's talk about Franco. So Del Morte's first name is Francesco. Yeah. Yeah. Franco is pretty similar in name. Yeah. Uh, they both kind of look the same. Sure. Right? They're, they're both yeah. like thin, angular white guys with nondescript dark hair. Yeah. You know, they're, they, they don't, I'm not saying they're twins. No. Or whatever, but like they could have cast anybody. They cast two guys that look kind of basically the same. Not that, not that, that doesn't happen. Right. But, and then at the end, uh, we're told that all these murders that Del Morte uh, com- thinks he committed, Franco is like, no, I did it. I also killed my wife and child. Are they the same guy? Is oh. is Del Morte like a fiction? Is Del Morte, uh, uh, you know, or, or is Del Morte and Nagi both imaginary versions of Franco? Franco's trapped in this bureaucratic hell. Like it's just stacks of papers when we see his office. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it just like fantasize about like an interesting anything happening? And, you know, maybe he's in love with a woman that looks like she you know looks like her and can't he can't i mean numera's assistant does look like her and he would maybe see her if he was in a governmental position and stuff so yeah right i can he files... i can see a possibility there but he's just a nondescript clerk like he might file death certificates so he right. might see her anyway like there's yeah because he definitely has a that. co-worker that we never see because they're all trapped behind all these other stacks of stacks paper, of paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's huh. an interesting point of view. I don't think I would have ever come up with it. And I don't think there's a ton of things pointing you towards that. But there's also not really anything specifically. You do this to me a lot. Well, when, <laughs> when Franco is in, in the coma in the hospital uh-huh. whatever, and Francesco Della Morte comes to visit him, Franco briefly wakes up and is like, I don't know who you are. I don't recognize you because mm. he's not a real person that's my read on it it's like why else would that be even in there interesting i didn't even think about that i have no idea (laughs) but like and is you know the red light tunnel is that either franco waking up or dying is this you know they reach the end of his imagination or or is it that like they only exist in his imagination anyway like whether he's alive or dead or whatever like and he's never bothered to think of a fictitious world outside of uh, Buffalora because he's never been outside of it so he can't you know and realistically imagine it I wonder if that makes where uh, what movie ends with a snow globe Krampus Krampus, oh. Krampus ends and with they're like trapped in a snow globe yes famously so, also uh, St. Elsewhere the TV show was oh, the, the okay. thing where it was like a hospital drama the, yeah that was the that was the that was hospital. the thing that like everything else is connected to if you go by like Oh, this is because they had cr- crossovers with something. Yes, and so then you can uh, Saint Elsewhere was Saint Elsewhere was basically like whatever Chicago Hope or ER. It was a, like a medical right. hospital yeah, drama. Yeah, I've definitely heard of it. And one of the characters in it was like a little kid who was in a coma and whatever. 
And then the reveal at the season series finale was mm-hmm. that like it's all his vegetative dream, right? It was yeah. all this kid's like imaginative dream of the hospital in a snow globe on oh, his nightstand next to his hospital bed. Okay, but it had crossed over with other shows that then had crossed over with other shows that then had crossed over with other shows. So then it became right. And once whole... you get once you get Richard Belzer, rest in peace, into oh anything, yeah. he was in so many shows. Yeah. He taints like, the entire right. fall lineup. Exactly. Yeah. Half the half of television has now been made a part of the... Has been Belzered. Yeah, St. Elsewhere universe. Yeah. And, like, all those shows crossed over with The Simpsons, which crossed over with so many shows. So, like, X-Files crossed over with The Simpsons, so now that's in the universe. And then this crossed over with that. Like, it just keeps right. trickling yeah. outward. So, like, 90% of TV up until a certain year was technically a dream in this kid's snow globe coma dream. Like, Amazing. And that's like the, the big St. Elsewhere thing. I did not know that. that yeah, it's like, intriguing. so my question is like, what is reality? And that was the thing I came up with is, are at least Delamorte and potentially Nagi either both totally fictitious, you right. know, or are they, do they represent some kind of like parts of like the id and super ego or something of, of Franco? Like, mm. Does the fact that they switch at the end mean anything? Like, what is it? Yeah, like, that's something that seems like it's important, but I don't know how. There's a mythic feel to it that, right. like, you know, that, mm-hmm. that thing of, like, you know, like Ragnarok, the world ends, and then it just starts again and keeps going. It's a Dark Tower thing where, like, right. they've, they've gone to the edge of the universe, and now they just have to start again. And right, except now the roles are reversed. Ver- now, yeah, now, now Nagi will be the erudite one, and yeah. Della Morte will be the, like, monosyllabic one that just watches TV and eats garbage. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. Right. I, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, like, there's no real comparable thing. But, yeah, it's like if Evil Dead, you know, ended with, like, some big like like it pulled back from the cabin and it kept pulling back and it kept pulling back and it was like a single blade of grass on like an alien football field and yeah, then Yeah, and you're like, what is this? And mean? you're like, wait, what? Like what does this even imply? <laughs> For most of it, it's kinda like some stuff you've seen before, but ultimately it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Do we have anything else we want to talk about or do we want to vote? Uh I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm done. All right. Well Crystal, this is your choice, your birthday episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why don't you go first? So Mm. Upon rewatching this, I don't know that it's a great watch. I, I think it's definitely a watch. Like, if this sounds like it is something that you would be interested in, seek it out. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't, you know? Um, it's definitely weird. Um, you kind of have to pay attention um, with what's going on. But even if you miss some stuff, like... Yeah, no I big mean, deal. No big yeah. deal. Like, it all is kind of, like, yeah. weird and timey-wimey. Yeah, it's right. dream, not, dream, like. dream log. Yeah, yeah, dream logic, all that kind of stuff, yeah. so. Wrapped attention's not going to get you there. <laughs> yeah, like, it's fine. Um, But, yeah, I would definitely say, definitely a watch, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd lean great watch. I mean, also, yeah, like, with the caveat of it's not going to be for everybody, but, like, yeah, for me, I liked it. It's also the same thing where, like, yes, there's certain bits of it that, like, aren't PC, don't age as well. Yeah, there might sure. be some, like, cultural difference, whatever. You know, it it does have, like, holdover 80s, you know, a little... Um, Sleaze. Yeah, a little sleazy, a little, like, you know, not very PC. Yeah. You know, horror Absolutely. aspects to it. But, like, like I said, man, a lot of the shots, very beautiful, very interesting 
you know, a lot of fabrication. Very good. Yes. And also, looks like, good. the yeah. locations look great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The cemetery they filmed in looks amazing. Yes, they when filmed an actual the cemetery somewhat and then had some things staged. And then the ossuary is also a real ossuary. Nice. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, apparently one of the uh, crew members took some bones and then brought them back the next day because he said he got haunted. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't so, do that. Yeah. Anybody working on any of these horror movies Don't in or bones. around actual cemeteries, yeah. just leave everything. Leave the yeah. bones. You can take the prop bones. Yeah. You got to work that out with your prop master. But don't take real bones. Don't take the real Bad bones. Idea. It's fine. Also, when they're driving, the scenery is beautiful. Yeah. The landscape, yeah. it's yeah. all, yeah, it's very, very gorgeous. Um, yeah. I, for me, personally, this is a great watch. I believe I gave yeah. this five stars on Letterboxd. Um, nice. It's, yeah, it's... You it's, also love the weird shit. I do. It's funny. It's, yeah, gorgeously shot. I think the performances are good. It's really interesting, and it's, again, so fucking unique. Watching it more critically with the idea of, like, would I recommend this to everybody? No, I, you know... There's definitely stuff in this that, yeah, like, it's not, like, as fun and light as the rest of the movie. I'm like, I understand. I'm saying fun and light as the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie is like, oh, these dead people keep coming back. I gotta shoot them in the brain. But if that's your idea of fun. But it is fun because they're not people that we know. It's just like an old old guy shows up and he's like, and you shoot him in the head. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not The Walking Dead. We haven't spent four seasons with this guy and we know his hopes and dreams. It's just like a random dead guy and, like, zombies are fun to kill. That's why there's so many zombie movies. It's cheap and rewarding. Yeah. But that it's still, you know, it might be heavy for, for some people. But then beyond that, there's other stuff in this, like we mentioned, that's like, it's pretty uncool. It hits like a fucking sour note. And um, even, you know, uh, yeah, just like even now in 2023, yeah. it's just like, oh, mm, gross. But I still really liked it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally unique. If you listeners uh, can recommend anything that is like this to me, I would love to check it out. Yeah, Um, same. I I would be very interested because this is clearly something that stuck with me since I first saw it. Um, So I would be interested in seeing something else that is as weird. Scratches (laughs) anything like this itch. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely, I think I would, I would lean towards definitely towards great watch. I think I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, all around, it's a recommend. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. May not may not be for you, but could be your next favorite film. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Crystal, would you like to direct people to your endeavors? Uh, sure. You can follow along with my art um, at wantful underscore things on Instagram. Um, I post paintings and collages and digital collages and all sorts of stuff. Uh, on there so yeah right on (laughs) well uh if you'd like to uh listen to episodes or contact us or follow us on uh, any of the social media that we happen to be on um you can go to our link tree which is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash h-w-g-w and yeah that's all our social media that's where to stream whatever movie is the current uh, movie we're talking about and um you can contact us as i said and you can find us on Movie John or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, please consider donating to the Movie John Patreon. That's patreon.com slash moviejawn because that supports us and all the other podcasts and all the writers and all the writing and the creation of the zines. 
and all that good stuff. Um, there's plenty of stuff. We have tons of shows. Uh, we're adding adding podcasts all the time. It's very cool. And um, you can get new episodes from us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday on moviejohn.com or, as I said, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal, happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Of thanks, course. Thanks for, choosing thanks for this having movie. me. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> Happy, uh, I believe, Ten Timers Club. Yes, <laughs> I feel so powerful. Yeah, you that's... get a sticker, whatever. Patch. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I got to make patches for five and Patch. ten. But All right. yeah, yeah, I really want to though. I really that do. would be really fun. Um, but yeah, this was this was fun. Uh, this was cool to rewatch. It was great to watch it the first time because I was, like I said, I'd heard about it for years. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was great to finally watch it, and then it was a great suggestion to watch it for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Allison, thanks. The mayor, thank you for napping for basically the whole thing, buddy. Yeah. Good job, bud. He's the third mayor. That's true. Mm-hmm. He's the third mayor. He's yeah. the cool one. Yeah, he's the good one. <laughs> yep. And thank you for listening. Uh, if this is your first episode of listening to Hey Watch, Great Watch, hope you enjoyed it. Hope to see you next time, two weeks from now, or we have 110 other episodes you can listen to. Okay, bye bye. Do we have bye. an outro? Um, do you have a second verse? No. Uh, what was yours? That's a great question. What was it? I don't remember. <laughs> what was it? I hadn't written it down. It was I literally know. just me. It was to the moon, it's your eye, like yeah. a big pizza by the Tamori, but what was it? Hmm. I don't know about a second verse because I don't remember what you said. <laughs> so I don't know if I would just be plagiarizing you. Well, talk about Conalingus. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> when your husband is dead, so I'm giving you head that samorte. That's a morte. Damn. <laughs> you done did it. Out. Out. Hard out. <laughs> Mic drop. I'm hard out now. <laughs>
This has been a Movie John podcast.